calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Everybody and welcome to this live spoiler review for Wakanda Forever from the Geek Buddies. Hey! 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 Is, that, is that how it goes? We're back at it here for Wakanda Forever uh, to break it all down here and uh, have some fun discussing it and go into what we liked, what we didn't like, what worked for us what didn't work for us and um get into all the aspects of it the acting the direction the cinematography the score um the storylines uh the, the, the connections the, the easter eggs the hot guys in green shorts like let's oh, just well, talk about all of it let's do it let's do it um iron hearts uh a mid-credits a post-mid-credits scene that could uh lead to some things down the road for sure so a lot to explore here on this lovely Tuesday evening here in the, on the West Coast, at least, for us to jump into and talk about. But let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies and one of the co-hosts here on the Geek Buddies on the Outlaw Nation. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClick. I thought you were going to put a costume piece on there, Johnny. I didn't know. No, no, no. I have the wrong glasses on. Sorry. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and animation writer where you can see some of our current work on Netflix right now with Strawberry, Sword- Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, season two. <laughs> I just I just story edited Shannon McClung's final script for season three today and turned it in. Hey. Like final, final, or just for season three? For season three. Okay, so you're not letting him go on the air. All right, I wasn't. I was concerned. That <laughs> Shannon, the road... Shannon, I read your script today, 
and it will be your last. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no more berries in your big city. Anyway, we are going to get into so much and break it all down. This is, <laughs> this is a spoiler review, so we will be spoiling everything and uh, jumping into uh, you know some of the meanings of everything and what we liked and what we didn't like. Uh, the Streamlabs and the Super Chats are open tonight, so if you have uh, wanted to catch us live, you haven't caught us live in a bit, or want to send any kind of support or have any questions, thoughts, or comments that you want to make sure we talk about or hear our points of views on, make sure you send in your Streamlabs and Super Chats. We will read them as we go along uh, through this discussion here of uh, Wakanda Forever. So as I like to start uh, every review, uh, the general overall feeling of it, and uh, all of us have seen it a second time. We've had some time and some passage from it. And also, we should say we are sponsored and powered by the great folks over at CarbonHealth.com. That just came to me randomly. CarbonHealth.com powers and sponsors us here on the Geek Buddies. For any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, or underwater breathing issues, you can head over to CarbonHealth.com and get that checked out. They also have an app, so you can put an app you can put a dock in your pocket on your phone, for God's sake, uh, so you can go to Carbon Health. There you go. All right. As I was saying, let's you, you know what? You can also put an app in your cap if you want. You can just carry it around like that. I mean, yeah. And uh, so let me know. Uh, okay. So let's start off overall here. And I'm going to put the stream. Somebody already asked for the Streamlabs address. And I'll put that in the uh, chat right now and uh, make it a pin there so you guys can look at it as we go along. But um, overall uh, feeling about the movie, we've both seen it twice. All of us have seen it twice, rather. And it's been a few days since we've seen it. So. Michael Vogel, please start us off. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think going in, you know, when we saw the trailer at Comic-Con and as we've been talking about Wakanda forever, like I've been saying, you know, like I think as you look at phase four, because now phase four is officially complete. Uh, yes. Phase five will be starting in February with Quantumania. You know, it's been a little bit uneven. We've all discussed it. And for me, the peak of phase four was Spider-Man No Way Home. Spider-Man No Way Home is the best part of phase four. And wow. if you've been listening along, uh, you know, um, Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, yes. definitely sort of my, maybe not the worst movies in phase four or the worst things in phase four, but definitely the ones that maybe disappointed me the most. Mm -hmm. And I was really saying, like, I was hoping that Wakanda Forever was going to end on that Spider-Man No Way Home note. Now, I don't think it got there for me. I don't think that Wakanda Forever is as good as Black Panther. I don't think that Wakanda Forever reached that Spider-Man No Way Home point. But it definitely was not a Thor Love and Thunder or Multiverse of Madness for me as okay. well. I thought I thought it was a really good movie. I'd, I'd say it was a great movie. I'd say it's a great movie, but it's not like a stellar movie. It's not okay. in my top five of Marvel movies of all time. Um, I think it gets a little bit overstuffed by the end. I think they probably were trying to set up a few too many things. The Wakanda series, the Ironheart series, Thunderbolts. I think there was a lot of things that were like... Did we really need this for this movie or did it get away, get in the way of the emotional story? That being said, Namor, awesome. Telecon, mm -hmm. awesome. Like so many amazing things. Uh, Shuri's Journey, awesome. Post-credit sequence, awesome. Angela Bassett could read a fucking phone book and I yeah. would sit and give her the Oscar. Like, yeah. so there is so much to love about this movie. And there's some things that I'm like, I ah, wish they hadn't done that. Wish they had done that a little bit differently. So we'll get into it. But definitely yeah. as we're wrapping up phase four, uh, Wakanda Forever, while not my numbered one, not in my top tier, definitely closer to the top than the bottom. Okay. All right. Uh, Shannon McClung, your overall thoughts on Wakanda Forever here, the sequel to 2018's Oscar-nominated Black Panther and all that we got in here in, in the movie. 
so again, this this was an interesting experience because when we the first time that I saw it in a theater, which was with Vogel the night before it came out at the Grove, our theater was having some sound issues. And this, the sound was really, really bad to the point that it became really difficult to understand what some of the characters were saying, especially in the middle section in Talokan. Like yeah. I had a really, really, not just, uh, not just uh, uh, Namor, but also, uh, also Shuri. When okay. uh, 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 Lupita Nyong'o got down there, just the whole cavern section. I was right. like, I'm having a really hard time listening to this. And for, because of that reason, I mean, one, very frustrating, but the movie did start to drag kind of in the middle for me. Okay. After having seen it a second time, having heard what they were saying, my enjoyment for the movie did jump up quite a bit. Now, I do think the movie dragged in the, in the middle a little bit. Okay. I thought that final action sequence, it wasn't quite what I wanted, but there is so much to really, really love in this movie. Like mm-hmm. in both screenings, um, as the Marvel logo comes up and, oh it's, my God. And, it's, and it's filled with Chadwick Boseman. Um, how, I don't think I've been in a movie theater that quiet yeah. and you could yeah. just feel the reverence um, for this, for this, in, this incredible actor, this incredible man yeah. um, that, that, that was taken away way too soon. And yeah. looking at the task that was put in front of Ryan Coogler, of uh, rewriting his movie, trying to tell some version of the same story without his leading performer, I thought what he was able to accomplish was fantastic. Yep. Did they do? Did they? Did they get everything right for me? No. Mm-hmm. Was it a victim of a little Marvel overstuffing? Yeah. Um, but that being said, I mean, it, coming in, I would have said, "No way home." Shang Chi, Wakanda Forever. Now, yeah. having heard it, Shang Chi and Wakanda Forever have flipped. I mean, it is not No Way Home, but it is above Shang Chi now. Well, I'm well, glad. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Grumpy Pants McClung got a second shot at that for the movie. <laughs> oh no, there's still plenty for me to be grumpy about. We're gonna get to there. <laughs> I guess we'll get into. It. I think I liked the film much more than you two did. Uh, it really moved me, touched me, and um, there was a lot going on here that I connected to in terms of the journey of trauma, the journey of grief, the journey of loss, acceptance, anger, vengeance hunger for that i think all of that really worked mm-hmm. for me overall i do think this film i agree with both of you though on this point that it feels like a crossroads film so they had to put everything in so we could go in this direction go this direction go this direction and i do think whereas black panther was very much an insulated movie that only had shades of connections to the overall mcu there was this almost like requirement or multiple requirements of this film to make sure you got Ironheart in here, make sure you got Valentina for Thunderbolts, make sure you do. So those are those things that although they didn't feel as organic in the movie as the, the grief uh, journey that a majority of the characters go on, um, uh, I was able to forgive it more because the overall story that was being told here was very moving for me and the guts to do a film that is focused on the death of your leading actor, yeah. Actual death of your leading actor. I don't think I've ever seen in any franchise ever. I mean, even in that, and I, I guess I'm going to spoil it now, but even in Terminator Dark Fate, they spent about five minutes on that situation that happened in the movie, and they do not the way, make it a prevalent thing that everyone is, you know, dealing with. So it's a spoiler. Epic. The spoiler expiration date on Dark Fate has passed. I think okay, you're safe. Fine, fine. I think you're in, I think you're in safe territory spoiling <laughs> that one. Yeah, even Linda <laughs> Hamilton isn't that broken up about it as when we find it. So th- there's just more, there's just so much of that that's, that was coursing through this that I think was really powerful. And, you know, Feige said at a Comic-Con, phase four is about grief and trauma. 
That tells you the kind of guts. And I know people want to bash Marvel all they want. But to take the chance to spend an entire phase exploring what happened after Endgame and the effect on everybody in the entire universe. And, oh, by the way, essentially launch mutants and launch all these other things that are Mm going to bear fruit down the road. Not an easy task to do. I do agree there were stumbles through phase four. And there are a couple things here in this movie that 100% didn't work for me. But overall, I thought this was a damn good film to end phase four and get us ready for phase five. And the, and we'll just look at phase four, maybe fondly down the road, like, yeah. like people have changed their minds about the prequel trilogy. We'll look at phase four in a way like that. We'll reappraise it after we see what happens in phase five and phase six. I think, I mean, I think, I, I think it's worth repeating just because I fully agree with you that yeah. uh, they didn't have Black Panther die in some superhero way. They right. didn't have T'Challa die in some way. Like, mm-hmm. they just took exactly what happened with Chadwick Boseman yeah. and just grafted it onto the movie. T'Challa right. knew he was sick. T'Challa didn't tell anybody. Right. They don't say exactly what it is, but basically, like, it. it's basically... They, they're they just talking about Chadwick Boseman. And there is something so powerful about watching a bunch of actors mourning the loss yeah. of their co-star yeah. playing characters who are mourning the loss of their king. Right. Like that, that in and of itself, I will, I, I agree with you, that in and of itself sort of sets Wakanda forever apart in a way that will always make it special. To me, it's very similar. I was just talking about that this this weekend. It's very similar to Guardians Volume 2 for me. Mm. And that I think that Guardians of the Galaxy 1 structurally is a much tighter movie. Right. And Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is a little bit all over the place. <laughs> but emotionally, you get to the end of Volume 2 and everything with Yondu and everything with yeah. Rocket and everything with the Ravagers, I am a puddle on the floor yeah. crying at the end of Volume 2. Yeah. And I think that Wakanda Forever, despite... It's several things that I don't think quite land properly and don't quite fully work, which we'll discuss. I think when this thing is on Disney Plus, this is going to be that like Sunday afternoon, be like, hey, I'm just going to put Wakanda Forever on for the 45th time and just ride <laughs> it through. So that says something about its uh, about its enjoyment, despite the things that don't work. Is they? I think Shannon's right. Like Cooler had an impossible task. Yeah, because you can watch it, you can see it, you can be like, okay. T'Challa is dealing with the fact that everybody is trying in the world is trying to get vibranium. Namor comes and mm-hmm. says to T'Challa, this is what you need to do. T'Challa has to deal with the death of Queen Ramon. Like you can see what was there and then you see how he had to sort of fix it to be like, and then they're dealing with T'Challa's death and now it's Shuri's story. And you're just like, yeah, man, this was, this was a Herculean task. Well, you're sim- you're seamlessly moving into the next section of our conversation here is I'll ask about the story. And Mike, I'll start with you. How did you feel about how they constructed the story here? You're already dropping the story elements in, in your previous comment just a few seconds ago. How did you think they made this all work? Vibranium being the main thing, which clearly is going to echo into phase five and phase six, uh, introducing Ironheart, dealing with uh, Wakanda, feeling like they're being attacked. We see the French um, uh, military people try to mm-hmm. take vibranium and the Dora Milaje take them out. We see Ramonda being very, very strong about the fact that you all think we're weak. I've got spies in every corridor of your halls of power and I hear everything. The United States and France essentially being the aggressors, all played by white people being the aggressors of these two, um, two uh, uh, civilizations of color. All of that playing out, colonization being spoken about, 
this, this fear that uh, they're going to use this resource, take it out of a foreign country, use it for themselves because they couldn't possibly deal with a world where one country has this kind of power and the United States doesn't or France doesn't or the first world countries don't. So there was a lot of that working through here. Plus, as we mentioned, the grief dealing with the loss, Lupita Nyong'o's, uh, Anakia being on her own, away for seven, six years, whatever, you know, not coming to the funeral, Okoye and what she confronts and and uh, uh, it's essentially removed from her position, the death of Queen Ramunda, and then, of course, everything that happens with Namor and the, sto- and the uh, background and everything he tells the story, stealing Riri, wanting to kill uh, Riri, and possibly Shuri if Riri is not allowed to be killed. All of this running through here that leads to this battle in the end, with Shuri embracing being the Black Panther, which she had shunned earlier in the movie, and then having this final battle, and and um, Namor yielding, but because he thinks there's a more fruitful relationship down yeah. the road uh, that they'll eventually need, and of course the child that comes in in the mid credit scene. So wh- how did you think about how they constructed this story overall, what worked, what didn't work? Uh so I think, like, from a basic world-building standpoint of the MZ- MCU, this movie works great. They they react ex- realistically to the end of Black Panther. Yeah. Like, T'Challa shows up and says, hey, we're the most advanced civilization in the world. We got vibranium. And that opening scene in the United Nations is exactly pitch-perfect what it should be. Like, that is exactly mm-hmm. what would happen. And the fact that they did that, great. The fact that... Every country in the world is combing the earth to find more vibranium. The fact that that sort of unintentionally leads to the discovery of Talokan, like yeah. all of that is great. The reason that Namor has not been in the MCU up to this point totally makes sense. So that's all awesome. The yeah. bigger story about grief, great. Shuri going on this journey where she eventually goes to the spiritual plane and sees Killmonger instead yeah. of her mom or her dad, like great so all that stuff is great i think where the movie sort of stumbles and again i like i will say right now like is it dominique thorne who plays yes, Riri williams? Riri williams yeah Riri williams didn't need to be in this movie yeah but i loved her like 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 so it's it's a funny thing like the adding her into the movie because we know ironheart is coming putting like kind of jamming the midnight angel costumes into the movie because we have a wakanda series coming out and that wakanda series is probably going to deal with that like adding uh anika in there because she's probably going to be in the wakanda like all those right, things right, right. it they're none of them are bad and i think as we get to those projects it's going to be cool that we got to meet these people and these things but they felt like they got in the way of a very clean story when you think of the first black panther movie T'Challa's king now, and he's trying to decide what kind of king he should be. Right. And he wants to be like his dad because he thinks his dad was great. But over the course of the story, we find out his dad did some shitty things. And Wakabi has one opinion on how he should lead, and Nakia has another opinion on how he should lead, and Killmonger thinks Wakanda should do something different. And it's all just so tight. Yeah. It is all about what does it mean to be a king, and what does it mean to be a good king. And everything in the movie drives to that point. Because this movie was trying to fill so many other parts of the MCU, it felt a little bit at times like the grief story kind of got sidelined for other stuff. Mm. And there was a lot of ping-ponging, like, okay, now Shuri's in Telecon and she's having a good time, but now she's out of Telecon and says it was really nice, but I hate Namor because he killed my mom. And now I'm going to be the Black Panther. Like, it would, it would, there was a lot of back and forth because they were trying to do so much. And it's a crazy thing to say about a two-hour and 45-minute movie, yeah. but it felt like they didn't have enough time to do all the things they wanted to do. So 
so like as far as like expanding the MCU, expanding the story of Wakanda, expanding Shuri's story, uh, setting us up for more T'Challa adventures because we now sort of have a new T'Challa in yeah. a way that none of us expected. I think they did all that stuff right. It just felt like there was other things in the way that sometimes uh, didn't keep the story as clean and sharp as that Black Panther one story was. That's a great point you make, Mike, here, because it almost feels like when they needed to be long on the movie, they were too short. And they, when they needed to be short on a movie, they were too long. And for phase four, it feels that way for phase four. And certainly this is another example, possibly, for that uh, to be a calling card for phase four. Shannon, what are your thoughts on how they constructed the story here, the story beat story elements, and certainly some of the surprises within this, like uh, Ironheart and, of course, um, uh, the new T'Challa possibly coming in as Shuri has abdicated the throne to M'Baku, who waited seven years to finally be king of Wakanda, and uh, having her... You got it, though. Be patient. Patience, patience is a virtue. Didn't uh, have to swing thought? one fist, and he got it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I thought from from beginning to end, as Vogel said, the story, everything was there. Yeah. Um, but the stuff that they did add, as as fun as it was uh, viewing it, it, it probably hindered the story more than helped. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Cambridge sequence that for that, you know, that, that action sequence that led into that great bridge sequence. Like I loved those sequences, like those sequences were fantastic. But then when you, when you kind of pull back and look at what Riri got you for the movie, it was like, yeah, this had you removed her, had you made this scientist some, you know, some rando um, it may have been the movie probably would have clipped along at a more brisk pace. Um, because I do agree, like when you wanted something, I mean, I mean, going straight to the end here, that last uh, action sequence, I'm like, this was a very rushed sequence, Um, not just from a storytelling standpoint, but even from a design standpoint. I mean, when they come up in that, you know, Wakandan giant sub ship thing, like this is a very kind of a boring design for what has been established with Wakanda prior. I'm like, this is base. This is a big, this is just a big geometric shape. Like I, think i thought it would look i would thought thought it would look just a little cooler like when you think of the ships that they have like there just wasn't a whole lot of that um you know the the ross and val situation like i love martin freeman um i think you probably could have used him in an even more diminished capacity yes um the fact that they chose to make them exes i'm like this is clearly coming back down the line, but it's like, it doesn't, I don't get why you need that relationship to be that. Like, why can't it just be his boss? Like I, 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 I do seeing it a second time. It feels so surplus to needs and yeah. tacked on. And you get it. These are two wonderful, funny, wonderfully funny actors who've been right. successful, you know, with their banter and whatever. It makes total sense on the paper, but when you're putting it together with the construction of the movie, it feels a second time watching it so unnecessary yeah it's just an it's just an extra relationship that that you know it took more time and within the sort of the dynamics of the relationship it just wasn't that much fun Mm. like you know it was just sort of them kind of delivering lines and you know we'll get more you know we'll get more into this when we get into the individual performances but in terms of julia louis dreyfus playing val um for me, I'm like, you got to have somebody come in and judge her dialogue because I'm like, it needs to be snappier. It needs to be it needs to be like a scalpel. And this was just very yeah. it was just very plain for me. Fair OK, fair enough. Um, I, I, For me, I, I liked 
the and I think you're right, Mike, and, and Shannon, you're right as well. Uh, as I as I watched it a second time, I'm like, man, this is a there's a great two hour and ten, two hour and fifteen minute movie in here. If you can figure out how to solve the Riri Williams situation, because I mean, the whole reason that Namor even shows up is because Riri has created right. this machine and wants to kill her so that she so that that nobody can make this machine again in essence. And so you'd have to solve that plot point. But other than that, removing Everett and Val wouldn't be too difficult. You'd have him in one or two scenes. Um, some of the other stuff you can remove and make a little cleaner as well. I think that's the way it worked. I will say this, and it might get me in trouble a little bit, but you know, I don't get scared of this. Owen Gleiberman on Variety is one of the, my favorite critics since he wrote for Entertainment Weekly years ago. Um, he wrote that we should just get, we could have saved money or could have saved time by getting rid of the Talocon backstory. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, that backstory is so essential oh. to the movie to make a flippant remark in a review like that. Get rid of the Everett and Val stuff. That would have saved you the same amount of time. That And I think that would have been the, the better cut overall. So it's those kind of things that you're seeing here that I think that, you know, certainly, well, clearly, it was just a bit too long. It could have been some cuts. But overall, the grief storyline, very well done. Having these very powerful, strong women experiencing the loss of this man i saw some criticism saying like this is they're trying to eliminate black men from this story and it's like that's not true this is the way it was constructed these are the characters Mbaku was a great counsel through this whole movie and, and, and having those women experience this it's not something you've seen before in a franchise all these women in different ways experiencing the loss of this great person this great man in their life someone they loved so deeply seeing the different approaches was fantastic you know with Ramonda, with her, it's I've got to keep everything together. With Shuri, it's the guilt of the loss. With um, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, Nakia, uh, Nakia rather, she's out, just kind of take. Just, she needs to be away from all this drama. And Okoye is like he he died in my hands once already. The fact that he died and I couldn't save him again, and then I lost his sister. The that just so much to take on for a general. So. There's just so much that was great to explore in this movie that I think really worked. But I agree with both of my uh, friends here, my buddies here, that it was just a little bit too long. But let's get into. I, sh oh yeah, go ahead. Well, just I really want to on the on the Riri stuff because I, I want to make sure because I'm looking in the chat at people like okay, it's never an all or nothing thing. Like when when it comes to Riri Williams, like yeah. It's not that you needed to cut her out and just put a rando scientist in there because it's cool that Riri yeah. Williams was the smartest person who built the vibranium detector, totally. but. I've always said this about Marvel. The thing that I appreciate the most about them is their patience. Yeah. That they yeah. take their time. Maybe she could have just been the brilliant scientist. Maybe she didn't need to build two Iron Man suits in one movie and then be told she couldn't take it with her and we're going to have to see her build her new one in the Disney Plus series. Like, right. you could have built up to this in a different way. So I just think that, like, and it's the same with, uh, with Ross and Val. Like, I'm not, like, yeah, Marvel, the connective tissue sometimes feels stuffed in. And it's also the thing that we all obsess out about and love. Right. And when we get to, when Easter we get eggs. to Thunderbolts yeah. and when we get to the Wakanda series, all the stuff that we're and when we get to Ironheart, all the stuff that we're like, oh, that felt stuffed in, we're gonna be on Geek Buddies geeking out about it and be like, well, remember in Wakanda Forever they were married and then this was really important. So we're gonna do the same thing that everybody does. So it's not that the fact that they put it in there is yeah. bad and they should have taken it all out and just let it be its own movie. It's that maybe sometimes it's all about a matter of degrees. It's not that you don't put Riri Williams in the Riri Williams in the Wakanda Forever movie. Yeah. It's that maybe you dial it back ten percent 
and yeah. that 10% makes a huge difference. The thing about editing a movie and getting that movie exactly right and writing a movie is it's not about let's cut this whole thing out of the movie. Sometimes it's let's cut this let's cut this scene by three lines and it makes a giant difference. And yeah. I think that's what this was. And as somebody said in the chat, just to be really clear, the fact that Kugler had to oh god shift gears on what he was doing and make an yeah. entirely different movie and that we still ended up with this movie it is unbelievable so yeah. as we're nitpicking and talking about stuff just be clear i think all three of us are on the page of he did an amazing job oh, yeah. given what happened here we can still talk about what would have been better what would have been worse what we would have done right. slightly differently but we're all operating from a base of kugler in his grief did something that was pretty awesome yeah and the rumors are rewrote it three times like three times that's incredible to read and then the reshoots and all that kind of stuff. so for to to pump out this film with all the drama that was going on reported and unreported behind the scenes is a, it deserves an incredible amount of credit uh and respect for ryan coogler for sure mike uh, that is absolutely the base we're all operating from uh, here in this review um let's uh, take a quick break and we're going to jump into some of these storylines and break them down and and then answer some of your super chats here as well now through june 29th you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at safeway shop for items like coca-cola products deer park natural spring water dannon light and fit yogurt mott's original applesauce heinz ketchup and mccormick spices and earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries visit safeway.com or download the safeway for you app to earn your reward points today offer valid through june 29th see store for more details now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. As soon as we went to break, in my mind, I was like, I just hope Shannon doesn't try and do the the Wakanda chanting. No, please. I mean, uh, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Say. I mean, it's the best part of the score. And I was like, look, it is the best part of the score, but... Come on, man. For those of you who may be watching us for the first time, we take these breaks that are just a few seconds because it helps for the podcast to put our ads there. So we have to, it's just easier in that way. So if that irritates you, it only irritates you for a couple of seconds. So my apologies. Let's get into, we got to start with Letitia Wright. Let's get into the Shuri storyline. The jury in the movie from feeling guilty for her brother's death, being courted by Namor in essence, um, battling with her mom, battling with the old ways versus the new ways, which is the ways she wants to go down and then ending up losing her mother, suffering a trauma within the film, having lost her dad, her brother, now her mom, and ending up as Black Panther, seeing Killmonger, and then defeating him after she rides a spear through her body to uh, outsmart Namor and cut off one of his wings on his feet, for God's sakes, and then abdicate the throne, go off and go on her own journey, meeting um, uh, T'Challa, the young T'Challa there, um, Toussaint, who is named Toussaint, 
which is, of course, a connective tissue there. And we'll get into the history of that name a little bit later. But um, Shannon, I go to you on this one. Overall thoughts on the Shuri storyline uh, here as the first storyline we need to talk about. Storyline or performance? Oh, oh, sure, both. Performance, fine, fine. If there's anything in the storyline you haven't messed up, but we can talk about a performance, please. Um, you know, I, I thought Letitia Wright was was excellent, yeah. was was heartbreakingly excellent. Um, from moment one, when as soon as the movie started, and we we as an audience understood how they were starting it, that if this is literally the 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 death. Yeah. of T'Challa as his sister, as, uh, you know, kind of in a race against time, trying to find a way to save her brother. Whew. It was, it was very, very affecting. Yeah. And again, from top to, from top to bottom, Letitia Wright did a fantastic, fantastic job. I mean, y- you didn't get a lot of it, but you did get those glimpses of that sort of bright eyed Shuri that we met in Black Panther, that really enthusiastic, like, again, you don't see it a ton, um, but you see this, you know, this young woman kind of coming into her own. And she just had so many moments where as a, as a performer, you know, we, you know, we like to watch other performers. We're like, how, how did they get there? And I, and as Vogel had already mentioned, you know, the cast was mourning, the lead their friend as the characters were mourning their king and wondering how much of that she was she was channeling into her performance watching the connection that she had with uh with namor i mean it was it was heartbreaking because you saw that these two there was a world where these two people get along and and how just the sequence of events led to them not getting along and the moment where she has the spear at his throat and you see you 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 see the killmonger mm-hmm. where she wants she wants to end it because she feels that's what's deserved that's what's you know this is retribution for my mother um and then you see her brother her mother take over yeah. and how she basically says yield and we're going to protect you. We're going to protect you. You're going to, we're going to protect your oceans. We're going to protect your secrets. Right. Um, she was, she was really, really fantastic. Um, you know, we, we've talked already a little bit, like we don't know if, or, or I'll just say it. Like, I don't know if she had the, not the chop chops isn't the right word, but I don't know if she had the gravitas to carry that movie, but she certainly did a fantastic job in it. Okay. All right, fair point. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on Letitia Wright's performance and anything in the Shuri storyline that uh, stood out to you or we haven't discussed yet? I mean, one thing we didn't discuss that I think they did a really nice job of is that Shuri is a scientist. Yes. And doesn't really believe in the spiritual side of Vibranium mm-hmm. and Wakanda. Uh, you know, she's very much a science-minded person. So the movie opens with her saying to Bast, basically, save my brother and I'll believe in you more or less. Yeah. And then when her and Ramunda go out into uh the plains together and go sit by the fire, you know, she's like when 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 Ramunda's like I feel your brother in the wind, I feel him in the air and she's like you're basically she's like you're making that up. That's something your brain does to deal with grief because I'm a scientist and I don't believe in this. Right. And so the journey that she goes on uh to kind of come to this different place, uh going to the spiritual plane, seeing Killmonger, that really fucking her up. 
uh, seeing her mom, as Shannon said, kind of making that change her decision, and then getting to the end of the movie, like the way this is where this is where Coogler did an amazing job. Like despite everything else, like Ramunda is sitting there at the fire and says, "I feel your brother in the wind." Yeah, I went out. I felt him in the wind. I felt him. He was there. And Shuri's like, that's not real. Hmm. And then you get to the very last scene, shot of the movie before the post credit sequence. And she sits there and Rihanna's music comes on and you just hear the wind and she starts crying. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that the, the, I have, I have opened myself up to a new level of understanding of the world and spirituality. And that's what her journey is. Uh, I think she did a great job. I think Shannon's right. I think Letitia Wright just knocked it out of the park. Does she have that X factor that Bozeman, that Chadwick Bozeman had? I don't know. You know, like it wasn't, it's, it's not quite the same. I also think that, again, I'm, I know I keep comparing it to Black Panther, but Chadwick Bozeman just had an, a, it was an easier job to be like, I'm now the king. Fuck, what kind of king should I be? Mm-hmm. And Shuri was like, I, I was dealing with grief. Then I went to Telecon. Then I was like, wow, you've done a great job. Like there was, it was, the movie wasn't just, it wasn't as direct a line. So I think that at a certain point, like she was grieving T'Challa, then then she was protecting Riri, and then she was talking to Namor about this, and then her mom died, and then she was back to grief again. So it wasn't just like a direct line of like, it just got worse and worse and worse. And then she was like, I'm going to burn the world down. Like, I think when she says to Ramonda early on, if I burn this, I'm just going to want to burn the world. I don't know that I fully believed that. I was like, why are you, why at this point, like Namor comes out and says, I got to stay hidden. These people are going to kill my people. Fuck everybody. I'm going to wage war on the surface world. And I'm like, I get it. That, that a hundred percent tracks. When Shuri says T'Challa, basically T'Challa died of cancer. I want to burn the world. I'm like, well, that part, I don't fully it yeah. didn't land quite to me. Now, once her mom died and Namora was responsible, I was like, yep, get it, girl. Go go do your thing. I get why you want to kill him. Right. So that part worked for me. But uh, so I think like she had a tougher job because, again, the story was like kind of doing so many different things. But her performance hmm. was, I think, great. And I think she really did nail it. Um, and I'm really curious to see what's, what's next for Shuri in the MCU. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know that she wants to rule Wakanda. No, clearly. And I don't know that she is going to stay the Black Panther. And so I wonder what role she's going to fill because I do think Shuri is a is a really great character in the MCU and Letitia Wright plays her so well yeah. that it'll be really nice to see where she fits in with everything else that's going on. So next like somebody for- said, well, because like somebody said in the chat real quick, like Riri Williams is taking the place of like, yeah, young young genius like she is the young genius that shuri kind of was at the end of uh the infinity saga mm-hmm. and so what role she takes now is going to be really interesting to see is she going to become like a is she going to help train the new t'challa like i don't know like it's it's really exciting because yeah. like there's just no there's no roadmap for it because the mcu has now veered so far off from what like the comic stories yeah. are that she could be anything yeah, I think you bring up an excellent point, Michael, because I think, and you know, we we reported on this, and we don't know how much of it was actually true or not, but like we've talked about this, there's a real possibility Letitia Wright might be done being a regular in the MCU. She might come back and do spots or do guest stars as a as a, 
as a, a, a Shuri or as possible the Black Panther. But she left Wakanda with the herb there. She said, you got the herb now. Whoever wants to be Black Panther can be Black Panther. I'm going on my journey. She has no connection to Wakanda family-wise. Sure, her she has friends there and connections with the Dora Milaje, with M'Baku, what have you. But there is no necessary tie for her to go back to Wakanda. So where is the journey? And they seem to be setting up a new T'Challa and the young kid they showed, which may be adjusting Young Avengers a little bit to include him as part of which could be interesting. And then the other part of this is M'Baku is king. Uh, In essence, she abdicated the throne. So, you know, we don't know if the, the vaccination stuff behind the scenes, we don't know if she's just, she had that terrible physical accident on the set that affected her. And she talks about a number of interviews, how much that really affected her. This may be a situation for her where like, I did everything I could for this movie. And now I'm just going to, in real life, yeah. just like in the movie, kind of wander and do my shit. And then when I can come back, I'll happily come back. But certainly Riri, as you said, takes that spot that we all thought coming out of Black Panther and, and that was being rumored that once Tony died, it was going to be Shuri who essentially took over as the Tony Stark of the MCU. And now that seems like that's not going to happen. And we'll see what happens. I, I echo well, uh, both of these. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. I was just going to say, I echo what you guys say. I, I think uh, uh, Letitia Wright did a fantastic job in the movie. I do think she came up short in certain emotional moments, and it might be about the script. It might be the way they rushed her through her embracing the Black Panther thing at the end there without the time to kind of process all of it. Um, that may be one of the factors that affected the overall performance, but I thought she did an excellent job overall in the film. If it didn't 100% emotionally get there in every scene, you could tell that she was dialed into every scene mm-hmm. uh, in, in that way. So, sorry, Shannon, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, no, I was going to say in the absence of, you know, our super genius, you know, we do have Riri Williams, yeah. who, who, you know, is coming in her own series. We have Reed Richards coming down the pipe. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's interesting, like, if Coogler does come back for a third, like, if he does make his trilogy of Black Panther movies, if it is a different Black Panther in every movie, yeah. like, I think yeah. that's actually kind of a cool idea. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's a good point, actually. Uh, let's move on to Teno Chuerta, and we'll get to the super Super chats after this. Deno Chuerta coming in here, playing Namor, a character that we know from the comics. We got to see, we got to see the world of Talokan. We got to see the great Mesoamerican. For our podcast uh, listeners, Vogel has just unfurled a fan and is uh, giving oh! himself is is cooling himself down right now. I got the vapors. I got the vapors. I think the heat is uh, is operating incorrectly in his apartment right now. <laughs> we might say in fuego. But yeah, this was everything that happened to this movie. We got to meet him. We got to see this beautiful underwater world. We got to see his history. You know, and too many people want to kind of put Namor in this box. Namor in the comics or Namor in the comics is kind of an asshole. He's kind of a dick sometimes. Because no, 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 no. Okay. He's totally an asshole. Right, totally an asshole. But it's about protecting his people. Sometimes it's about his ego or whatever. So those are all mixed in in the portrayal here, which is why I still cannot call him a villain. I think he's an antagonist. We may have that debate here. But, like, that's my feeling. And I thought it was a wonderful performance from Tera Chuarta, very subdued. People wanted a more dynamic character. I'm like, the guy's been around for centuries. This is just another stop in his life and he's going to move on to another story in 60 years and when you live like that you don't take everything so like crazily or personally till the line is crossed and when the line got crossed he was ruthless absolutely ruthless scarily ruthless especially when he killed 
Ramunda and said, you know, to Riri, you are now, or to uh, Shuri, you are now queen. Bury your dead. I'll be back in a week. Uh, it's just, just the way he approached things, I think, was a very unusual uh, antagonist to have in the MCU, and I enjoyed it. Michael, what did you think about the storyline with uh, with uh, Namor, with Talokan, with uh, the performance from Tenoch Huerta and the other characters like Namora that were involved there as his uh, secondhand people in his uh, ruling of the kingdom? I love Namor. Mm-hmm. I think like the, I think I think this is like a one hundred percent home run. It was amazing. I like the MCU version better than the comic book version. <laughs> like I think it was great. I think I mean look. First of all, yes. He's hot as fuck. Okay. Every time he walked out of the water, I passed out in my chair for a minute. So I missed about like 30, 30 to 40 seconds of the movie because I was just passed out. But his performance was amazing. Yes. And look, he is the antagonist of the movie. Just He's like the structure, structurally. He, but much like Magneto, um, he's an antagonist that makes sense. Like yeah. his reasonings for wanting to kill Riri, like to be like, look, I, who, Whoever designed this thing needs to be gone because I don't want people snooping around. It, I don't agree with it. I don't want him to kill her, but it makes sense. Like who he is, what he is, uh, the way he played it was amazing. He had this gravitas about him that just worked. Yeah. Uh, he like to me, like every scene that he was in, I was like, just focus on him. I thought Telecom was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, again, no offense to DC's Atlantis, but oh. I thought Telecom was way cooler. Like I, please, <laughs> mainly because mainly because, and this is like a dumb thing, but like, if you've ever been underwater, if you've ever done scuba diving, like the coolest thing about being underwater is there's no gravity, so mm. everything works in every direction. And when you when you first get to Telecon, when you look at the way that it's designed and it's going off in all directions and people are upside down and right side up and sideways and everything, that's how an underwater civilization would be as opposed to, you know, a giant underwater amphitheater with an octopus playing drums. Like, I'm just saying, like, this was much more, I thought the way that they took Mesoamerican culture and yeah. kind of built that into all the pieces of it was gorgeous. I thought it was beautiful. Um, like, literally... Every single thing about uh, the 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 telecons, like Telecon, the telecon, yeah, yeah. telecons, like okay. like as a people, like I just thought it was really really interesting. I thought taking the legends of sirens from Greek mythology yeah. and kind of attributing that to them, like Oof. literally, there was no part of it that I didn't like. Like yeah. I just thought the only part, and again, this is more just the plotting of the movie. Like he shows up, he kills Queen Ramunda, and he's like, "All right, y'all, I killed your queen. I'm gonna be back in a week." And then he leaves because they needed to get time to get ready for the final third act battle. But like that was the one part that I was like, "Well, <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess you're being respectful, whatever." And the only other part that I thought was, um, it didn't quite land, and I could tell both times I watched it. And this is just a nerdy thing, like. Wakanda Forever is a battle cry for Wakanda. Man, they made that work in that first movie, and we yeah. all like know it Wakanda Forever. Imperious Rex, if you read the comics, you know that Namor's thing is Imperious Rex. Yeah. But uh, when he says it in the movie, it doesn't quite have the weight because there's no real setup to it. He just kind of says it, and so that didn't work. However, I did not know until you just said, Johnny, that Owen Gleiberman was like, why don't we just cut the whole backstory yeah. of Telecon? And I think that is bonkers. Yeah. Like, I thought hard. that was amazing. I thought that was amazing. And the last thing I'll say is 
first guy to just fully straight up say he was a mutant in the MCU. Bang! Like it was no big deal. Like, like by the way, been around I'm for a, a mutant. while now. Yeah. I got little wings on my legs and they should have been stupid in the movie, but instead they were awesome and I'm a mutant. So there you go. Yeah, I like that. And remember, and name one of the comics predates a lot of the MCU, a lot of the Marvel characters. So logically well, it could work here in the them. MCU. I think all it, of all them. All of them, yeah. He predates old mutants yeah. and this idea of mutants being around for a long time. So, um, Shannon, your thoughts on how they presented Talokan, the Talokanil, which is the name of the people there, uh, the citizens of Talokan. Um, Tanner Huerta's performance and how they worked in the movie. I mean, they were pretty ruthless, killing people without abandon. Uh, certainly in the opening scene, they killed all those people on the ship, Lake Bell, RIP. Uh, they killed all those people, <laughs> took care of business. Uh, and, and when they went to Wakanda, they were killing Wakandans all over the place. Uh, and they were ready to, he was ready to motivate them to take on the world. And what did you think of the design? I mean, him descending into that massive shark's mouth or whatever that is. And then the the motivating cries that match Wakanda forever, as you said there, Michael, just incredible stuff. So what did you think, uh, Shannon, about this introduction here and how it worked throughout the entire movie? I think Namor and the Talokans uh, were responsible for more of most of the visually dynamic shots we got in the movie. I mean, we saw a lot. We did see a lot of them in the trailer where he's, He's in that he has that uh, that headdress on as he sort yes. of you know floats down to the throne, which was an which was an incredible shot. Um, I know, yeah, I, I I I would I would hesitate to use the word ruthless when they attack that uh, that rig when they're when okay. they're drilling, okay. just because of the whole siren aspect. And yeah. that they're literally possessing these guys just to kind of walk off. It's you don't like, think that's ruthless to make you kill yourself? That's I think it's. I, I think I think it's worse to plunge a plunge a sword into your chest. Yeah, I think yeah. they're giving them. I think they're giving them a quiet, cold death. Like you know what, you're just gonna drop into the water. Ooh. We're gonna. I, I don't think they suddenly wow. snap them out. Johnny, as soon, Johnny, as soon as Johnny, just up. Johnny, remember this. Remember this. <laughs> Shannon, Shannon's gonna drown us and not stab us. He's gonna <laughs> show up behind us and shove our head in the sink and be like, "Hey guys." Not ruthless. Shannon's like, you know, Wanda was fine in WandaVision, taking over that whole town and mentally making them do things against their will. What are you talking about? I think in comparison, I think they gave them, I think they gave them a peaceful death because at the end of the day, they're trying to, they're trying, they're, they're trying to preserve their culture. They're trying to preserve. Yes, their of people course. Because the reasons if, make you know, sense. If, totally. if these people, you know, if they find this stuff, if they. <laughs> Geek buddy fishing trip canceled. Oh, Brian, that's beautiful. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. so yes, I, I mean, I stand by that. I'm like, you know what? They're get, they're they're letting these guys expire peacefully. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. The mm-hmm. moment where Lake Bell and and the the pilot get off on that uh, helicopter, they escape. Yeah. As it comes down, and we get that first shot of Namor in the dark with the rain coming down, with the wings flapping. I mean, that was, to me, that's like an Alex Ross painting. I mean, that was just such a stunning, stunning visual. Mm -hmm. And then when we finally meet uh, Tanish Huerta for the first time, coming out of the water, talking with Ramonda and Shuri, I mean, he's he's magnetic. And the whole Talakon sequence, again, the first time I had such a difficult time hearing, and we got to the end of the movie, and I told Vogel, I'm like, I'm not sure about Tanish Huerta. I'm like, I, I wasn't quite, quite into it. Again, seeing it a second time, 
being able to hear everything, I'm like, okay, yep, nope, he's great. Yeah. Um, like again, he he just has an incredibly magnetic performance. And even though I understand the reasons that Vogel's like on the you know barrier dead, I'm gonna be back in a week. That it is a very convenient excuse to let the Wakandans you know get ready for the uh, for the third act battle. Um, as he was kind of filled with that rage as he's taking people out left and right, when he says, Barry, you're dead, I mean, to me, there was an element of sympathy in that, like, look, yeah, no, I didn't... nobility almost. And that happened yeah, I, in old school I, battles I, in, like, in the Middle Ages. There's like, okay, we'll give you time to walk the field and claim you're dead and bury your dead, and then tomorrow we'll be back at it. There is, yeah. There's almost like rules of war. Plus, he's been yeah. around for four centuries, so exactly. he's stop me. Like, I'll be it back was, in a week. Do what you can. Yeah, I'll be back in a week. It's no it was just It was just so, to me, it was it was very sympathetic. Kind of mm-hmm. like, hey, this is what happens when, when people disagree. We got to fight. I, I've made my point. I don't need to do anything else. Bury your dead. I'm going to be back. So, yeah, I mean, I thought, I, you know, I thought Tanish Huerta was great. I mean, I loved... I, I love the guy. I didn't get his name, but the guy playing Atuma. I mean, for someone that didn't have yeah. a ton of dialogue and whose yeah. whose mouth was covered for the majority of the film, that guy just had incredible presence. Uh, the same with uh, the the actress playing Namora. Yeah. Um, the moment where she takes out that uh, that like sonic generator at the bot the bottom of the Wakandan ship. Yeah. That that just visual of her, you know, plunging that you know that spear into the machine. I mean, again, it was just so visually dynamic. Yeah. Um, love the design of Talakan. I thought I, I loved how dark it was. Yeah, I was like, this is the more. I mean, for lack of a better word, I mean, this is the more realistic portrayal of what it would look like if you had a race of you know water breathing people living under the sea. Um, the one part that, and this is when <laughs> I know Vogel's uh, champing at the bit right now. Um, so the one part that I did not like. <laughs> Okay, was the use of that pop song when uh, Namor takes Shuri down to Talakan? I think it's uh, you, Kone, really. Look, you mean I, you mean the song? You mean the song that was written by Ludwig Göransson, the composer of the film who made the score? That's the one. I mean, the moment it it just wow. it sucked all of the magic out of that moment for me when when i when i hear a singer when i hear this very modern song in this ancient culture i'm like god that to me that does not work i mean i loved the theme that they had for namor um like as he's coming out of the water i mean i think that's in the that's in the score it's just it's just namor i'm like i would love to have heard a more positive version of this a less (laughs) a less imposing version of this um because that song that that took me right out of the movie both times okay. yeah what about uh the i mean just because they're ancient doesn't mean they're stuck back in those times you know that i mean they did come to the surface i'm sure many many times maybe uh, you, you walk- think they're hitting the cl- you think they're hitting the clubs i don't know i think they'd fit in <laughs> in studio 54 in the 1970s no problem with the blue skin and the headdress i think they'd have no problem with that but maybe i mean maybe because i mean there's a song when superman flies with lois lane right the song that plays there that that worked for you but the song well that's what song that's a score well the, well, the song ba, 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 the song can you can you read my mind can you see she doesn't no, no, only oh, in like really deleted versions right, does she enough. actually do that horrible voiceover. Can you read my mind? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, no, no. We all, right, that's not, that didn't make it to the final movie. <laughs> Fair uh, Alex Libinali is the actor who plays Atuma, and Mabel Cadena is the one who plays uh, Namora, Namora. Uh, there on the side. Uh, I, uh, 
look, um, I, and I've seen I've seen some weird things that he some people gatekeeping them more like don't you know don't feel pride he's not he's Mesoamerican he's Mexican American he's not Hispanic or Latin please don't gatekeep them more let us all have this and enjoy this I thought it was great I had nothing but pride watching the movie and just finally seeing representation in the MCU in such a powerful and overt way and I really enjoyed it Thanos Huerta was fantastic seeing him in this role he was much more subtle than you anticipated i mean even the swooping of the hair like he didn't even have to he didn't have to correct his hair until he felt like it like he would step out of the water like all right yeah all right so let's handle this and it was incredible the ease and the comfort and the relaxed approach because he's an intelligent actor he knows i've been around for centuries i don't gotta rush to do anything when I have to rush, you should be afraid. And we see that in those moments. And he, the the scene with him and Shuri, when he's showing Shuri his entire kingdom, essentially the, the Clark Kent, Lois Lane moment, he's showing her. Mm-hmm. They're, they're essentially almost like heading towards the possibility of love and the way he's painting things and talking to her and putting stuff out. Like he really cared about her. He was growing to care about her. He wanted her dressed in the princess robes. There was respect there. Uh, even though he wanted to kill her 19-year-old companion there, you saw that there was an approach that he had here and a and a morality and a nobility and a way of operating. Whether it's correct or not, that's, of course, a judgment you can make. But I also loved the backstory when we got to find out how his family was being, you know, they were, they were hunted by, again, by these colonizers. They were going to kill them. They made this deal with this with the priest and all this stuff they took this herb or whatever and then they went uh down into the water he was born in the water and when he finally comes back out and sees what they're doing to his people enslaving his people tearing things apart and he rips them to pieces you see the namor smirk of hell come across his face that you've seen in the comics and he did just what he does to everybody and seeing the priest of all people who was apparently fine with the enslaving of these people insulting him. This is working on so many levels mm-hmm. within the culture, especially with Latinos, Hispanics, because religion is such a massive part mm-hmm. of what we of how we're raised. And so I thought it worked. So and the idea of colonization, all of that is addressed here as part which is why he doesn't want first world countries like France, like the United States, like any of us to have access to vibranium because he's seen what these countries do when they have power and what their instincts are towards people of color, towards countries that are not at their level to enslave them, to make them beholden to them either physically or mentally. So it worked so well in constructing that storyline and having Tenochtor to play all those things. And then of course the fight with Wakanda, that's what he, he warned her ahead of time. He said, what he was going to do, he told her not to lie, to be, told her not to tell people about him, told her things. So Ramonda took her chances, and sadly she died, but she was protecting her kingdom as well, protecting her daughter, trying to protect Riri as well. She died for she died um, in the effort to protect Wakanda, right? But he had warned her that was the possibility. So her passing was sad, but it, to me it was a part of this battle that was happening between the two, and you could definitely argue whether it was a necessary battle to be having, but his approach was to protect his people and protect the world from yeah. these, this situation. So, yeah. Um, no, I mean, it was, I yeah. mean, it was, it was two leaders. It was two leaders of two countries. I mean, yeah, with, yeah. with Shuri and Namor, uh, two leaders of two countries that wanted to protect their people. And, yeah. and this is what Killmonger makes this point in the movie. And it's what all of black Panther is about is that 
Wakanda kind of only looked out for Wakanda for so long. And Killmonger makes the point in the first movie that in a way, Wakanda should protect all of their children, meaning all the black people in the world. Yes, right. And and Shuri kind of being like, I'm not going to let you kill this scientist like you know it's it's killmonger says that in in the in the spiritual plane he's like would would king t'chaka king t'chaka would have let her die yes king t'chaka didn't care so you know like it's like there, so there is this sort of like two people protecting their people yeah. uh against the outsiders which in this movie is white people yeah. uh who, who are the worst right well uh, col- colonial, yeah, right. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Historically, yeah, historically, historically. Sure. and and that includes Spain, by the way. I've seen that as well. Some people being like, "You're trying to excuse Spain?" No, Spain as well. They, they did a lot of colonization of the countries in Latin America for sure. Um, I love this. Stephen Turner saying, "I feel bad for the Reed Richards actor because if I were Sue Storm, I would also have an affair with." The I literally, I literally halfway. I'm not like halfway through the second viewing. I was like. I mean, it doesn't matter who they cast as Sue Storm. She's going to want to sleep with them more. Like, I mean, who doesn't want to sleep with him? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, Rocky saying, uh, Doom was there. He was hiding behind Mephisto. So, all right, there you go. We saw Doom. Uh, let's get into some of these super chats. We had so many that roll through. So, let's let's power through these. Uh, right off the bat here, Jen Maddell said, This movie was so moving and cathartic. I recommend it for anyone who has suffered a loss. Yeah, I cried several times throughout the movie. Love hearing what the Geek Buddies have to say. Yeah, Jen, I cried four times myself, you know. Lost my dad in 2008. That pain never goes away. And that, as Shannon pointed out, that opening where Shuri is frustrated that she can't stop it from happening and she can't come up with what she got. It was very similar to a hero store, superhero stories we've seen in the comics, right, guys? Like, I have all this power and I can't stop this from happening to someone I love. So that's classic stuff you've seen in superhero journeys as well. And that the whole movie, I mean, like, literally, this whole movie culminates in her sitting by a fire and right. feeling like she feels her brother and crying. Yes. yes. Do you know what I mean? Like this, this point. whole movie is someone who is so angry that they couldn't do anything and yeah. then reaches that point where they're okay mm-hmm. and has that cathartic. It's this whole movie builds to a cathartic moment, which is really just beautiful. Agreed. Agreed. Um, what fixes in folks? Good to see you. He says, hi, John, long time. Did you know the woman who played Namor's mom is Guatemalan? Tears. Plus, I want to see Namor at the UN talking to Spain. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> would be funny. You thought Ramunda, uh, Queen Ramonda was was ruling the UN? Imagine him there. Well, <laughs> also really quick because yeah. like uh, Queen Ramonda is the VIP uh, or the MVP of the uh, of the UN scene, but yeah. You don't cast Richard Schiff as the brand new uh, Secretary of State uh, post General Ross for one movie. So the fact that he and his shifty ass eyes is the new face of the United States government, probably going forward, probably in Captain America 4, probably in Thunderbolts, like uh, between him and Val... America, the American government in the MCU, yeah. not looking too great I mean, in, in the best possible way. In the best possible way. <laughs> yeah, right. Hail Hydra seems like a, a memory now, just a, just a <laughs> memory now. Um, Randy Costa says the villain of the film, white people slash colonialism slash government. Yes, absolutely. Randy, See. 100%. 
Yes. Uh, Gabriella Shafir says, I had a thought while watching Wakanda Forever. During uh, Namor's origin story, he says that the shaman received a vision from a god. What if that god was really Kang in a bid to either put two vibranium, uh, I don't know, if she, oh yeah, two vibranium enhanced peoples and or countries in a conflict, or to put those with vibranium against everyone else? Kang secretly has control of the TBA, so time hopping would not be an issue. Food for thought. That's fantastic. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard a couple other people uh, kind of talking about this. Like when, when we fully wow. see the full scope of what Kang's abilities are and what he's been able to do, has all of this been orchestrated? Because we now have two vibranium meteors landing on kind of yes. opposite sides of the planet. Uh, and so what does that mean? How does it all tie in? Um, you know, I do think it's really interesting separating Kang from it, having two cultures who had their gods slash shamans lead them to this vibranium. Like it, it, we've talked about this before. We talked about it with Moon Knight. We talked mm -hmm. about it. We talked about it several times. Like what is the scope of gods in the MCU? Yeah. And, and how much more are we going to dive into that? Because I think it's a really interesting topic. Kang, Kang aside, how if Kang is orchestrating everything, which is highly likely, also really interesting as we lead towards Secret Wars and the Kang Dynasty. Yeah, Gabrielle, that's a fantastic point. Shannon, any thoughts on that? No, I mean, as soon as you said that like, Kang could have been the god who, uh, you know, gave the vision to the shaman, I'm like, that would be, you know, as we said, Phase 4 has been a little uneven. Um, yeah. If they're able to tie everything together with Kang, <laughs> like hey great everything made sense it was all it was all deliberate <laughs> done and done yeah uh wiley todd saying oh what's up wiley he said support support from my man roca hope you're doing all right i am wiley hope you are doing well as well my friend steven turner says my two favorite phase four faves from phase four were wandavision and black panther 2 both beautiful explorations of grief and felt very character focused we started and ended phase four focused on grief. What's your favorites of phase four? Yeah, let's do that real quick. Favorites of phase four. Janet? Um, I, I mean, definitely Hawkeye. Like mm. Hawkeye is still, you know, I, I didn't really think about it in terms of like the loss angle, but I was like, oh, he's dealing with the loss of Natasha. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. <laughs> but um, that and, uh, and Spider-Man No Way Home. And obviously like WandaVision as well. Yeah. Uh, Mikey, faves real quick. I think, it's, I, think I would go... Um, I think it's probably like WandaVision, No Way Home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it gets into like a, there's Hawkeye, there's She-Hulk. Are they all in the basket fighting for third spot? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. They're all, there's like, there's like, I think it's like WandaVision and No Way Home are like my two top spots. And then there's a bunch of things fighting for uh, that third spot. And, you know, like, and Black Panther, I mean, and Wakanda Forever, as much as it didn't, like I said early on in the review, like as much as it yeah. didn't hit that No Way Home level that I was hoping it was going to hit, it's 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 up there as far as like the third spot fair enough yeah i would say uh definitely wandavision loki um uh i would say hawkeye as well and i would definitely uh wakanda forever but spider-man no way home is my number one undoubtedly my number one it's so so good um also dealing with that i mean i rewatched. that's so funny rewatched oh, yeah. last last night the scene where the other two spider-men confront him after he's lost um Aunt May. Uh, Aunt May. Yeah, it, it's so beautifully acted. I mean, it's so beautifully acted. They don't rush him. They don't say to him, "Dude, we've suffered too." They don't. They wait. They wait because they've both experienced this loss. They know that it has to take time to kind of present it in a softer way, so they can they all three can connect on this and understand. It's such a well 
Well done, Phil. Uh, well, Derek they each Thompson, take time. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, they each take time in their own way. Yes. Like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, Peter Parker, uh, sits back and lets lets Tom Holland talk, whereas yes. Andrew Garfield wants to get in and wants to help. And when he says stop, he's, okay, okay. Yeah. So you literally see them at three different stages of their life. That's a good point, Shan. Absolutely. Uh, Derek Johnson says, first, I love this movie. Roka understands what this movie means to people of color. Yeah, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I haven't heard anyone bring up how the government appropriated Riri's invention as they've done with countless other people of color. For sure. That's actually an excellent point to bring up here. Thank you for doing that, Derek. Yes, uh, I mean, Riri even says to be young, gifted, and black, which is, of course, a, a, a very um, moving song in the black community sung by Nina Simone. And what that references and what that means, this idea the government will come in. They took her invention without her knowing it. Like, she had no idea they had taken her invention and used it. So that's an excellent point you bring up, uh, Derek. Uh, almost a form of colonialism taking that uh, from them, like they want to take the, the vibranium. So what did you think, gentlemen, about that, that, that when you found out that she didn't even know they took her stuff? That's one of the things that, you know, we imagine that there probably is some footage and maybe some, you know, smaller storylines that were left on the cutting room floor. That's something that I was surprised that didn't get brought up, that the government who is, you know, being being portrayed as, you know, the, the big bad in this, yeah, yeah. like how, how how they didn't reference that. And my guess is that they probably did in, in a storyline that probably just oh. didn't make it to the final cut. Yeah, fair point. My- it, I mean, it's kind of what I was saying about Richard Schiff. Uh, it, it's interesting because... Phase uh, ones, two, and three, uh, the government was fine. S.H.I.E.L.D. was infiltrated by HYDRA. Right. Phase four, the government is horrible? Like, like, the, like, like Richard Schiff, uh, you know, Pete, like Thunderbolt Ross, is, you know, it's cranky-ass Harrison Ford is coming in in whatever capacity he's going to be. So you got cranky Harrison Ford uh, and Thunderbolt Ross... Not necessarily a guy that you're going to root yeah. for. You got Richard yeah. Schiff, uh, you know, shifty eyes, shifty eyes McGee in the UN with Wakanda. And then you've got Val, who by any stretch, I don't think is a good guy. Yeah. And they're not representing like some faction. Maybe they will eventually. It's going to be Hydra all over again. But for right now, it looks like the U.S. government is not great. Well, I think her, one of her nicknames in the comic is Madam Hydra, right? One of her yeah. names in the comic. So certainly possible, Mike, for sure. Poor shifts. Uh, it's, uh, you know, ever since Jedediah Bartlett died, he's really lost his way. I don't by know. By the way, he's, he's great. Died. He's a great actor. I'm thrilled to have him in the MCU, <laughs> by the way. Like I, think, like, I think he's going to be great and amazing. And even in the small bit he had in this movie, just being so sort of like... yeah just trying to stick it to Wakanda and then, oh my God, like we'll talk about Angela Bass in a minute. I can just talk yeah. for 30 years about every word she said was amazing, but it was, it was something to see. Poor Okoye was left crying. Um, oh. Derek Johnson also says, by the way, didn't get to say this in earlier message. I love the geek buddies and will remain a loyal fan. Appreciate this review. I'll say it here. Just like my tweet. I appreciate every point of view you guys bring to the table. Except for the part about that song in telecom, because you don't agree with Shannon. But other than that, totally appreciate it. Derek, jump in. Tell tell Vogley's wrong. <laughs> or, Shannon, or as someone said, I think it was Clarissa Beltorres who said, what's peaceful about drowning? What is Shannon talking about? So there you go. Steven Turner's <laughs> Okoye was one of my MVPs. Can't wait for her spinoff. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're going to do the series. Uh, Anika, and is it Io? I, I always... Io. Okay. Io felt wasted. Need more of them. The Dora felt better. 
done slash more interesting than the Amazons. Yeah, I would agree with that. Gentlemen, please, your thoughts on this. I mean, certainly they're opening as they walk through that uh, darkened doorway to confront those French uh, uh, military guys and take care of business. They were pretty badass. But we saw Okoye lose her status because she lost Shuri. But there was great chemistry between um, Denai Guerrero and Letitia Wright in their uh, in their mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, I agree. We sh- I would have liked more with Anika. Anika, see, Michaela Cole seemed to just come in in certain moments, and Io we didn't even know they were in a relationship till the end when she kissed him on the head, kissed her on the head. So yeah, I felt the Dora was kind of pushed aside a little bit. But there was so much happening. There's only so much yeah. they can do. Yeah, what'd you guys think? You can really tell. I mean, like, like especially with uh, Anika, mm-hmm. um, like you. So in the first scene that we meet her, Shuri had given her something, those knives, and Okoye oh, yeah, was like, right. we, we use spears, we're traditional. So you set up right away that Okoye, as the general, is like, this is the traditional Dora Milaje, and Anika's a little bit more of a rebel. Uh, and then, a little bit later, like, Anika is the one who goes with Shuri, and, like, when Shuri, like, hangs up on her mom when the whole fight with uh, Telecon happens at Wakanda. Yeah. And then Okoye goes to her, and they become, like, the Midnight Angels together. And so you, you can sense that... When Coogler wrote this script, it feels like there was a lot more mm. going on with the Dora Milaje storyline. Yeah. And that as they got to the movie and they're making it and you're like, this thing is two hours and 45 minutes, like that got shrunk down. And so I I do think that like it felt... Um, it felt a little bit rushed. It felt like some things happened just to set up like this Wakanda series, but whether yeah. this, the Wakanda series is going to be the Midnight Angels or whatever it's going to be. And I think in the long run, we're going to get to whatever the series is, and it's going to be just all the Dora Milaje that we could have ever wanted. And we're going to be like, okay, cool. Like, this was the jumping off point. Right. Um, but it did feel like that part of the story was a bit rushed. Um, yeah. And again... In a two-hour, forty-five-minute movie, where we introduced an entire underwater civilization and did ninety-five other things, so you get why the Dora Milaje kind of got a little bit of the short shrift. But uh, yeah, I, I, it felt it felt the same for me. Yeah, Shannon, any yeah. thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, Florence Kasumba's uh, Io has always been a supporting character. Sure. Very true. Um, you know, you know, we got to see a little bit more of her in Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I think they are kind of paving the way for what that Wakanda series is going to be. And yeah, I mean, I imagine there's again, cutting room floor stuff with, uh, with Michaela Cole uh, as well. And that they will probably, that she will probably, she and Denai Guerrero will probably be the leads of that Wakanda series. Yeah, probably too. Good point. Steve Turner says, uh, when Namor, Namor was on screen, Wakanda wasn't the only thing flooded. Oh God. Hey! Oh, Oh my, but seriously, he was so good. Phase four had great villains, Wanda, Namor, and Gore the God Butcher. All right, Steven, you might be alone on that island, Steven, but I respect uh, you fighting for it for sure. Uh, <laughs> Steven Turner also says, Wanda and Namor gil- kills people, gaze, yes, slay. Oh, it is true. It, it is true. <laughs> By it's, the way, John Wanda I, John, I, kills people, gays, yas, slay. Oh, 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 gotcha. gotcha, gotcha. Okay. John reading that, John reading that was like was like your dad trying to program a VCR. That was amazing. Uh, <laughs> You're missing a comma. Um, anyway, it is ahead. true though. It is true. Anything that Wanda and Namor do, it doesn't matter how atrocious it is. It, like Wanda, Wanda's like, I'm going to kill America Chavez. And Namor is like, I'm going to kill everybody. And gays are like, yes, queen, do it. We, <laughs> we are here for you. Yes. Uh, Tim, uh, good to see you, Tim. He says, sorry, I got here late, but I want to say about Namor is how much he is relatable to numerous people of color. I, I heard who had ancestors 
who were affected by colonialism from the Spanish and British empires. Glad he will still be around. I agree. I'm glad he will still be around as well, for sure. Uh, who's calling me at 655? Anyway, uh, Tim also <laughs> said, so safe to say that Wakanda Forever, Spider-Man No Way Home, and Shang-Chi are the three outstanding films of the MCU Phase 4? Well, what other Phase 4 films slash shows stand out to you? Well, I think we answered that, but films-wise, is there any other... I, I know I'm on this island alone and I'm happy to be on this island alone. I'm going to pour myself a pina colada. I think in the long run, Eternals is going to age well. I enjoy Eternals. I like Eternals. I just watched it again recently. What? I'm into it. Uh, I'm going to add Black Widow. I mean, for as okay. as kind of wonky as that third act was, um, the movie itself, even though it was kind of a too little too late uh, in a yeah. lot of aspects, the the fact that they were able to add some really great characters that you know have shown up in hawkeye and they're going to be showing up in the thunderbolts as well um you know black widow i think still there's a lot a lot of good stuff in black widow yeah i gotta say i i enjoyed them all except for doctor strange and eternals those were the only two that i kind of because eternals felt eternal it just drove me insane um oh, i know doctor... I, was sitting, I was sitting next to you at the premiere i know yeah, I'm sorry. Old school rope that came out. <gasps> um, <laughs> you know, like it. But, but Multiverse of Madness, I thought was a bunch of wasted potential. I think that could have been two hours and 45 minutes. And I might have loved that, honestly. Uh, Connor Pearson Ward says, hey, guys, I loved this movie. If I had one small nitpick, it's that I wanted more of Winston's Duke Mbaku. A hundred percent agree with Fully you. Agree. Fully yeah, agree. Yeah, he had great scene. He made the most of his scenes for sure. But it would have been nice to have more of M'Baku. I mean, him coming in and having that back and forth with Okoye was hilarious. Him calling him the fishman it was brilliant. I have never, I have never seen someone eat a carrot and make it look so badass. <laughs> That's so good. And that, that is something. Well, and apparently his uh, when he calls Okoye, uh, "You bald headed demon," that was yeah. an ad lib. Yeah, um, that, that 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 came from the mind of Winston Duke, but also the scene that he had with Shuri oh. at uh, Ramonda's funeral. I Beautiful. mean, that was. That was some beautiful work. I mean, we forget because Winston Duke is so kind of larger than life and very, very funny. You forget that he really is a, a very, very talented actor because those tender moments that he had, um, which we got, you know, the briefest glimpse of in Infinity War when we see that the relationship with T'Challa has progressed yes, to the point that right. he calls him brother. Yeah. Um, yeah, Winston Duke, that man is a that man's a national treasure. It's so funny because like one of the things we kind of keep saying is that it felt like they were trying to do too much or that it was rushed or that we like this. But you got to give Coogler and the entire team of the Black Panther part of the MCU credit because part of the issue with this movie is that we like Shuri. We like uh, Ramundo. We like yeah. Okoye. We like Ayo. We like we like M'Baku. Like we like everybody. Like yeah. Like every character that they brought to life on the screen, it was like... Yeah, like give me more of literally any of them. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. when you have all of them and then you add Namor and you add all of Telecon and you add all of everything else, you're like, and you add Riri Williams, who was great, even if I feel like maybe she didn't fully need to be there in, in the capacity that she was, yeah. she was great and I'm excited for Ironheart. So like literally the issue that this movie had is that we genuinely love these characters so much yeah. and we yeah. just wanted to see more of all of them. Yeah. Or, or weaved in a little more organically 
than having it feel tacked on. Yeah, right. that's a great point. Uh, One Fixing Simple says, should we have a Namor show or movie? Love you guys. Yeah, I'd love to see a Namor movie. For God's sakes, that would be great. Yeah. Um, uh, Qui-Gon Quiggs. I always have a tough time saying that. Great stuff as always, Geek Buddies. Avengers Secret Wars is just going to be Reed and Sue talking about how she kept looking at Namor. <laughs> Not so Secret Wars. <laughs> Whoa, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? What? It- you know, like it is because in the comics, like not only does Sue have the whole thing with Namor, but like she yeah. also has like there's the Doom aspect. Like, oh right, yeah. Like if they really and like you know, it's one of those things you're like, oh, they're probably not going to dive into all this because they have so many things. But Marvel does a pretty good job of being, for the most part, pretty comics accurate in ways that you don't always think they're going to or eventually getting there. And if you set up a Namor Doom Sue Reed situation. <sighs> That would really, yeah. I'd be into it. I can see all the, uh, you know, uptight fanboys going like, why they make her the center? Why are three guys fighting over a woman? It's ridiculous. Um, uh, Fantastic314 says, hey, Geek Buddies, in my opinion, the movie was excellent. The struggle with grief and how to handle it was so well done that it overshadowed the rest of the story. Also, changing the meaning of the name Noah Moore was brilliant. I agree. I mean, when they did that, I literally yell out, gasped in my theater at the genius of it because, you know, I've always, Namor, it's always been Namor. But to have it be with Sin Spanish, amor. no amor, sin amor, I was like, oh my fucking God, that's genius. So yeah. I will, I will, yeah. I had a similar reaction, except it was, <laughs> they said it. And actually, I didn't fully hear it in the first time we saw it because, as uh-huh. Shannon said, the sound was so horrible. But when I saw it the other night and I, in the good theater, and they said it. I went, oh. <laughs> Roca. I went, Roca loved that. Roca loved that so much. I, I literally, I, I, even though I wasn't in the theater with you, I've been in enough theaters with you that I could hear your reaction in my head when yeah. he said it. <laughs> Lindley grabbed my hand. Yes, I know, honey. Uh, Derek Johnson says, I got to agree with Shannon on this one. Just a little bit. Derek. <laughs> I Derek, like come on, man. Just the music and not the voice. Usually I'm on Mike Aroka's side, but not this time. But hey, I still love the scene. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, thank you so much for that. Um, <laughs> Christina B says, I can't wait to see Mbaku walk into the UN with a carrot. Uh, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Um, uh, Stephen Turner, Emma Frost, and Sue fighting to the death for Namor. <laughs> First of all, Emma Frost would kick Sue's ass. Just Ooh, saying. Damn. Just saying. Long statement. Um, all right, let's hit the streamlabs real quick, and then we'll jump into a break and get into a little bit more here in the movie. Um, thank you to AZ Badfish. Evening, gents. Much love to the Geek Buddies. I really enjoyed this movie. They did a great job continuing the story. I loved seeing Talokan and would like to see more of it one day. And not just because Namor is out of control, hot, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, there you go. Yep. Um, yep. Any- <laughs> okay. Uh, sucked donated. It says, uh, Wakanda Forever was fantastic and borderline experimental in tone. I felt Riri and Contessa worked because they added fun to a very grim storyline, which proved we can grieve and smile at the same time. Two things we can take from phase four is growth and maturity. Gentlemen? I mean, I, I agree with you on the re-re fronts. Um, yeah. As I've already said, Val, you know, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is such a fantastic performer, and she's yeah. so funny. I wish they would let her do more of both. Although, 
I will, in defense of Val in this movie a bit, I, I don't disagree. Like, I think she could have had better dialogue. I think they could have judged it, as Shannon said. But in Falcon and Winter Soldier, in the Black Widow post credit sequence, like, where we've seen her, it's like, she was sort of like, well, I don't quite know where she fits or what she's doing. And yeah. I will say that what Wakanda Forever did do a nice job of is it really like, okay, I get where she is now. Yeah. Like she's the government. She's not some secret organization. She's not a supervillain. Like she's the government. She yeah. is Nick Fury's gone and she's the new Nick Fury by way of Amanda Waller. Mm. And that's an interesting position to be in, in the MCU. Um, yeah. And I'm really curious to see where she goes. So seeing her in this movie and kind of the role that she played, even though I think her scenes could have been maybe uh, plussed a bit, yeah. I did like how it contextualized her role in the MCU a bit. Okay. So you're, you're in defense to a degree is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, I could accept that. Um, let's see here. Michael Miles says, as much as I dug Namor in the movie, I'm looking forward to seeing what a director with Hispanic heritage could do with him in a story. Yeah, what Latinx director do you think Marvel should hire for him? You know what I think? I think you should swing for the damn fences and get Inirito. That's who I think. I mean, I just saw Bardo, and I know a lot of people are not going to like that movie. I loved it. It was a Latino Terrence Malick movie, and it was incredible. Like, current Terrence Malick, stream of consciousness, way out there, amazing scenes, amazing visuals, incredible story for me. So seeing him bring that, that sensibility, or get Quaron, who has worked in a franchise before and been able to deliver the best film of that franchise, in my opinion, um, he could be a fantastic choice here to step in and do this. I think you keep Del Toro out of this, even though I love Del Toro. I think you want edgier stuff. Oh, no. with those two guys. <laughs> I think, I think if you were going to give an underwater world character to Del Toro, it would have been Aquaman. Uh, well, to I, be I, fair, he won an Oscar with Shape of Water. So, I mean, just put that out. Sure, <laughs> but the 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 world that the world of Talakan, at least it's been as it's been presented yeah. in this movie, is very real world. I mean, they're writing true, on orcas true. and humpback whales. Um, I, I and I think that's what made it work. That's what made it so different, and that's what made it work so well. Yeah, fair point, uh, Michael. Any thoughts on that? Um, I really like Quaron, and I really don't want Del Toro. So that's my thoughts. <laughs> fair enough. And I like Del Toro. I just don't want that. His Pinocchio is great, by the way. Uh, Stephen Turner. Oh, Shadow Jester says, no Vogel. Sue would definitely win. She could do little baby force fields in your brain. <laughs> I know what Sue can do. Emma Frost is, she will jump into Sue's brain, make Sue think that she put a baby force field in Emma's brain, and all the while be controlling Sue and have her crying like a baby in a corner because Emma Frost is that good. Also, questionable if Emma Frost goes into diamond form, that Sue oh. can actually do that. I would just say. Who's going to be Emma? It can't be January Jones. Who would be Emma? No, no, it absolutely cannot be. <laughs> no. Stephen Turner, Namor has a type. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> bad type in my personal opinion. All right, and uh, let's see here. Jim fans has loved Wakanda forever, cried so much. Not a perfect film, but the great outweighed the minor gripes I had here and there. My goodness, Namor and Talokan was awesome. I hope mm -hmm. Julie Lou Dreyfus uh, does a 180 in Thunderbolts because if not, she feels like a miscast. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, let's take a quick break and uh, jump into some of the other uh, characters and storylines in this film uh, right after this. Do, do, do. 
It was quick. Good, it was uh, quick. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, that's all your Streamlabs Super Chat so far. Please keep sending them in as we go along here. We're going to get into some more characters here as we uh, get into this review. Uh, we got to talk about Ramona. So I'm just going to hand it over to Michael Vogel. Michael Vogel, take it away. Uh, Angela Bassett. How, what did you think of how they uh, did, what they did with her and her character throughout the entire movie until her passing? I, <laughs> that woman, just the way that she takes every word that comes out of her mouth and makes it amazing. Like when, when she was at the UN at like that UN scene, oh my you, God. you have, you, you, you intercut her sitting just talking to the UN with this entire Dora Milaje action sequence and the Dora Milaje are struggling to keep up with Angela Bassett. <laughs> like she, when she was like, we made a decision not to trade vibranium with anyone, not because vibranium is dangerous, but because you are, and you're just like, girl, get out of here. Like she, <laughs> I really love that they just let, I mean, cause you know, she was great in Black Panther, but yeah. she really, uh, she really just got to shine in this movie. Um, every scene that she was in, she killed. Um, you really just like, and, and like in the big ways, like the UN scene, but in the little ways too, like talking to Shori and like just the relationship there, it just felt yeah. really real. Uh, it just like, you really get why Angela Bassett is Angela Bassett. My one, and it's not an Angela Bassett gripe because okay. she was still amazing in this scene. Right. Her stripping Okoye, uh, Okoye yeah. and giving, and like kicking her out as general. That scene. Felt a bit unearthed? of an overreach. Was it It, it felt a bit, it, it was like, okay. it was a bit, I get, like, you can argue it and I'm sure you all in the chat will, like, Yes, she was already filled with grief. Like, she lost her husband. She lost T'Challa. Now Shuri was gone. It makes sense. And what she says about uh, Okoye siding with Killmonger uh, and everything else, like, it was great. And her performance in the scene was just ridiculously good. I just question why we had to do that. Like, where what that got us in this movie. Like, what what making Okoye not general anymore and kind of sending her away, even though we were going to turn right around and make her a midnight angel. Like, it just, it didn't quite all land for me. But that wasn't an Angela Bassett thing. That was more just a structure of the movie thing. Right. But even in that scene, that was that famous, like, you know, all, everyone that I've loved is is gone. Like, how, like, she killed it. Uh and her death was great. I mean, she's just, she is such an arresting performer that you literally, like I said earlier, she could have just whipped out the yellow pages and sat on that throne and read the pizza places that were all in Wakanda to me. And I would have been like, yep, give her an Oscar. Like that yeah. was great. And if I use my uh, girlfriend's uh, line, she leaned over to me halfway through the movie and was just like, whatever she is putting on her skin, she needs to be telling the whole world. Because <laughs> she looks the same as she did. It, uh, what's love got to do with it it's insane yep. so yeah um uh yeah I, lo- I loved her in the movie loved her power loved her strength i i said in my non-spoiler very shakespearean she felt shakespearean yeah. in that approach noble gracious and michael you bring up an excellent point how she dealt with shuri she wasn't about shoving her viewpoint down shuri's throat or making her do she had to she understood her daughter was going on her process and her journey. Her, so she was patient with her daughter. She tried to teach her daughter. She tried to guide her daughter, show her other perspectives, other points of views. 
to get her to come to this understanding and realization uh, of what uh, is happening, of what's going on, of, of marrying the science with the old ways, the old ways and new ways coming together in, in one person, right? And, and I think, and I loved how she did that. And also her interactions with Namor, like when Namor comes up in her face, like, I need to know if you are this or that. And oh, she I looks bet his away. breath smelled so good. <laughs> I don't know. It's fish. He's been in the water. But like she looked away like this, the strength of her face when she looks away. That's a proud queen, you know? And even the white hair, I loved the white hair. It was beautiful mm-hmm. white hair that she was using and of course ruthie carter's costumes across the board in the entire movie i hope she wins an oscar again like she won for black panther because these costumes the talokan costumes and the new wakanda costumes were incredible just absolutely yeah. incredible and angela wore them with power shannon what do you what were your thoughts on uh, ramunda and uh, angela bassett's performance i mean you know the in her in her more quiet subdued scenes mm-hmm. it's like the power that she just radiates as a performer. I mean, and when you can hear her sort of ramping up and it's like a, you know, a storm brewing because, you know, she, (laughs) she would have been a great choice to play storm way back when, Um, I mean, along with her incredible skin, I mean, her shoulders and arms looked amazing. Um, She clearly puts in the work there, but I mean, again, she's just such a, She's another just really, really magnetic performer. And the way that they, uh, you know, Kugler constructed that UN scene with the other Wakandans coming in with the scarves around their mouths. And as they all sort of simultaneously put their mics down at the same time, um, it was just really, really, um, really, really powerful. And every word that she says, I mean, it's just you you can't take your eyes off of her. I mean, she was she was fantastic. Agreed. Uh, Joseph makes a great point. He says, sorry, that's BS. Uh, Vogel, Okoye had that coming. Ramonda had all those checks on Okoye from siding with Killmonger to losing Shuri. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So, so let me, let me, <laughs> let me clarify here. Yeah. There's two different things. Right. What the queen says to Okoye completely justified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the performance that Angela Bassett gives sells the shit out of it yeah true but when you're watching a movie particularly a movie that's this long with all these things going on and all these characters that we want to spend more time with and all these things going on what not not did it work for the characters within the world but what did okoye no longer being general get us in the movie yeah like why did we need to have this character be stripped of her rank even though she basically turns right around and right. fights in the final battle again. What so I'm assuming of that decision. Yeah. So I'm assuming it does have to do with what's happening in the Wakanda series or where we're going and other stuff, but with so many things going on and all of us going, well, we wanted more with these characters and we wanted more with this and it would have been better if we had this. And we have really focused on this, yeah. having this decision to have this big moment where Okoye is stripped so that she can leave and chill out in Wakanda in her blue hoodie and then basically fight when the telecons come. And then Shuri's like, okay, I'm going to put you in this suit. But Shuri would have put Okoye in that suit anyway. So, and again, so it's not that scene, like the whole scene is great. And, And the fact that they kind of brought back everything with Wakabi and everything with Killmonger made the scene even stronger. So like a hundred percent, it's justified. It makes sense within right. the world. It right. just, in the structure of the movie, 
I was like, okay, but she's gonna fight in the final scene anyway. So like, what are what what why why did we go on this journey? Why did yeah. we make this decision? Maybe if she had been there, uh, Ramunda wouldn't have died. She would have been able to protect her. So there's a consequence of the decision or something in that way that could have really worked, and that motivates her to be like, no, I'm going to come back and reclaim. I'm going to defend this country, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, there could have been something there. I hear, I think it's a great point, Mike. Stephen Turner says, need Ryan to consult on casting slash handling of Storm. Yeah, that would be nice. He could Somebody watch. needs to. We've seen what happened when you don't. Sure. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> let's let's move on to another storyline here. Uh, yeah, I know we've uh, talked about it a little bit. Touched on. Is there anything more to add about Dominique Thorne's performance, uh, Riri Williams, uh, Shannon, I go to you on this, uh, Ironheart, anything more to add on this? Look, she was awesome. She yeah. was awesome. I mean, she was, I, I think Winston Duke described his portrayal of M'Baku in this movie as a release valve. Mm, um, yeah. when, when the tension would get so high that you needed M'Baku to come in and, you know, deliver a joke. And I, I think Dominique Thorne ser- served that same purpose. I mean, she was just so... She's just uh, delightful. I mean, the yeah. the scene in the dorm room when Okoye comes out and what like it is just it was just so it's just something a nineteen year old would do. And yeah. the moment that she sees Shuri punch that Dora Milaj armor and it flies across the lab, and her initial instinct as a kid would can I get some of that? I mean, everything her her humor is delivered so authentically and uh just naturally and again that's not that's not something that's always easy to do i mean i think when when performers see an opportunity for a joke they might lean into it a little heavy and that's not what she did so the fact that she's going to be leading her own series i think is awesome yeah i liked her performance for the most part um i enjoyed her i felt like at the end or the final but they were trying to shove her into the final battle when it didn't really make sense yes you could argue that it meant because she of course they had developed the relationship her and Shuri, so they're working together, two young, intelligent women working together to try to concoct this thing and build the, um, build the, herb, make the herb again, so that you could become Black Panther. I totally understand why. It just felt a little like, you know, let me call my mom. Can I call my mom? It's like, oh, we're gonna bring the mom into this now all of a sudden. So it just seemed a little bit like they were, they didn't know how to weave her in, so they just weaved her in where they could. Whereas everything up to that, I thought she was great. I enjoyed her in the performance, her reacting to being in an underwater kingdom and her life being on the line, like all of that was believable. Her respect and love for Wakanda when she got there and all of that is was connecting with her. I think she did a great job with that overall. And the joy in the actual Iron Man outfit was great to see. And when she's fighting in that final, the actual fighting in the final battle, when she's helping the Adora Milaje fight uh, uh, fight the Tolokanil, I, I like that. So, uh, Michael, your thoughts on, on um, uh, this performance and on the character? Yeah, it's like I said before, performance-wise, I thought she was great. I am thrilled that she is the actress playing Riri Williams. Like, I think she's going to be great. I can't wait for her series. I can't wait to see her in the Young Avengers lineup. I can't wait to see her in Secret Wars. Like, I am glad she is in the MCU. I think having her be the one that designed the the Vibranium Tracker was super brilliant and a great way to bring her into it. Mm. I think that, kind of similar to what John was saying, you just reached a point at about half, like, once... Nakia came and like rescued them and got back to Wakanda right. and she was there. You were kind of like, 
all right, so now you're just going to hang out and make another suit because it's going to be really cool and you're going to fight in the battle, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what you're going to do. But, like, it was, like, it, and again, that's that's the point where having her there sort of becomes this, like, well, now we're going to have this thing happen. And, and, like, and and with and again, it's the same thing I was saying about the Okoye scene with Ramonda. It's not that it was bad watching yeah, yeah. her build that suit. Yeah. Like, I'm excited that Ironheart is in the MCU, so I'm into it. But you you just reach a point where even at two hours and 45 minutes – You've just got a certain amount of real estate and you're like, all right, well, anything, if you give this moment to Riri, you're taking it away from the Dora Milaje or you're taking it away from Shuri's grief story or you're taking it away from M'Baku. So you have to sit there and really, really critically go, do we need this? Did we need her to build the second suit that Shuri says at the second, at the end of the movie, she can't take with her anyway? Could we have just had her in the suit that she built? You know, like, and these are the kind of decisions you get into. You're like, let's have her fight, but like, you know, like, let's have her fight, but let's not do this. So, again, every single minute that something happens on screen, it means that something else is not happening. So, it's not that I didn't like anything that happened with her. I thought it was all super fun. But you just reach a point where you're like, would that real estate have been better spent on grief Better spent on the Dora Milaje story. Better spent on Val and Ross. Better sent on the mid spent on the Midnight Angels. There was just so much that that's the only thing that I wonder. Yeah, and you know, uh, Shuri was the comic relief in the first in 2018's Black Panther. I mean, comic relief like hey, uh, yucky duck. Yeah, she came in to release the best. She can't. She made the joke. What are those? You know, she had great moments along with really being on top of things, working with Everett Ross, all that kind of stuff. So. That was what she was, but they gave her a different journey in this movie. So other people had to step in and be comic relief and essentially cover that uh, that element of it. But yeah, yeah, Mike, I think we're on the same page. Halfway through, it was just like it seemed to be like, okay, we got it. Let's let's move on from it, and it'll be something else. But yeah, um, all right, let's move on to Ross and and Val. Let's finally tackle that situation. So we got a few scenes with them. You guys know if you if you've watched the Geek Buddies reviews, I am not a fan of Valentina. I'm not a fan of how they presented her. Not a fan of how Julie Louis-Dreyfus is playing her. And I love Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Literally saw four episodes of Veep two nights ago, just going back and visiting the campaign trail season, which I love. Um, uh, But she's great. And so is Martin Freeman, who I love uh, madly. But I I just, I did not like any of their scenes. And to me, the reason my, and, and you guys can address this, please. My issue with the rollout is she's so obviously villainous it insults the intelligence of the characters on the screen that they don't see it and we can totally see it. And it's not like she's hiding in the bathroom doing scenes and we get, no, she's overtly being villainous right in their faces. It just seems odd that these people of intelligence would not pick this up. And there's no way Everett wouldn't have, or Ross wouldn't have guessed that she would have bugged his phone. He is always one step ahead. He's I was surprised by it. No, yeah. I disagree with that. The really? fact that she, okay. bu- it wasn't his phone. She the beads. She oh, bugged beads, those right. beads. She, she, she beads. bugged those beads. Yeah. She got there early, bugged those beads, left them there for him to find. Okay. That I thought was good. I will, I'll give them problem. I was like, okay, yeah, that's good. That was all right. That's good. I mean, listen, yeah, she's overtly, is she overtly villainous ish? But yeah, Viola Davis yep. is literally like eating a steak every time she shows up on screen yes. as Amanda Waller. I agree. Like, just going, like, rah, 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 rah. like, I'm the suicide squad. Ah, like, so, I mean. I don't like that either, though. <laughs> <laughs> I I also would not call her overtly villainous. I think there are what? she works for 
she works for the government and that type of person they work in the government so to to say that she's overtly villainous i don't exactly agree with okay um the purple streak in her hair i don't think they've ever gotten right it just looks like something from party city to me like it looks like a clip <laughs> that it just doesn't it, it doesn't it doesn't wow. look right okay um and also just i i still don't know uh what the personal connection between ross and Val actually actually gets us. Yeah. Um, like I don't know, like them them as exes. I'm like I just don't believe this as a pairing. I think you get the the exact same interaction with her being his new overbearing boss. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I think on paper it I, it might seem funny, but I, I just don't see Martin Freeman and Julie Louis Dreyfus as a, a, a couple. I mean, their storyline across the board. Like I, I want to see her in more stuff. I want her to have better dialogue i i feel like she's she's so good that it, they're just really underwriting her right yeah, now it seems like um but it, it's the type of thing like i i want her to be in there serve her purpose and get out yeah. um like i i don't think you would have needed another post-credit sequence for this one i think what we got was so great and so beautiful um but i feel like she maybe would have belonged in a more post post-credit sequence capacity in this. I think Scott Wessels makes an excellent point. I do have trouble believing that the United States could hack Wakandan tech. I, I think that's 100% correct. I, I mean, they couldn't even build a goddamn vibranium tracker without so, Riri Williams. So. How can they hack the beats? Yeah, so I, yeah, I have an issue with that as well, but we'll find out if how they... That doesn't bother... I mean, look, I, I, I think Val and, and Ross in general bothers me less than it bothers the two of you. Like, do yeah. I think that the scenes could have been, like, plussed? Absolutely. Like, I think they could yeah. absolutely have been plus. Could have made her dialogue a little bit sharper, 100%. But, like, look, all she's, like, we know that she, that her character from the comics is villainous and is tied to Hydra and is tied mm -hmm. to all this stuff. But all she's really done thus far is put together a bunch of heroes to work for the government. And I guess sort of implied that Hawkeye killed Black Widow, which is not entirely true, and sent, uh, you know, sent... Uh, um yelena on a whole journey there into the hawkeye yeah. series but she's the government and like i said like it's the it's the richard schiff of it all like kind of seeing her in this movie yeah being very like this is the new ver like the cia is shield like we don't have shield anymore we've got them working the cia we've got damage control over here yeah. and we're sort of seeing this whole thing slowly form together i think that there is an interesting thing to play as far as them being uh, previously married. Like yeah. that seems like that's one of those. I don't know where that's going, but that feels like that's a higher than Ryan Coogler thing. Like I think somebody, oh, no, there is somebody somewhere is like, look in Thunderbolts, we're going to have Freeman show up and do that. Like there's a plan here. And maybe once we get to that, it's going to be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Or we're going to be like, yeah, nope. Shannon was right. You didn't need to do that. That was dumb. So we will, I, I'll give that one a TBD. I think 100%, everything that we have issues of being tacked on was Feige. A thousand percent, in my opinion. I believe that. Look, you got to connect us up to Thunderbolts, man. You got to connect us up to the Midnight Angels Wakanda series, man. You got to connect us up to this stuff. So I'm sure I was like, God damn it. You know, I'm sure there was like, you know, I'm sure there was some issues. So he's going to make, because if you tell the straight story, as Michael was saying earlier, that's the story. The grief story is the story. You don't need to go past it. But they had to do things, and that's one of the pitfalls and the drawbacks of a universe that works. You've got to interconnect these things uh, to make them 
uh, work as as efficiently as they are trying to do. Um, uh, let's get into the uh, uh, the um, uh, Nakia story. We haven't touched too much on the Nakia storyline and Lupita Nyong'o's performance, but also leading to this uh, mid credit scene that we got post mid credit scene. So Shannon, I go to you on this one. How did you feel about the storyline they built here? That she pulled away from Wakanda, didn't come back to the funeral, needed her space, um, then comes back. By the way, speaking perfect Spanish because she was born in Mexico uh, and um, speaking the Talocan language, going down in there, shooting the Wakandan woman, which is the thing that starts everything, stealing them back, being part of the fight with the Midnight Angels, but then in the end showing up with um, the son of T'Challa. So, I mean, yeah, T'Challa. So what are your thoughts on how they handled that in this movie? Um, you know, <laughs> Knowing that she wasn't at the funeral, I mean, her absence in Infinity War, you like, we kind of start to put together, like, all right, when did when did you and T'Challa get pregnant? <laughs> because yeah. it always seemed weird that she wasn't in Infinity War, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess at the conclusion of Black Panther, she decided yeah. not to stay with him. She went back into the field to to you know do her more you know clandestine activities that she was doing before. Um, and like seeing her teaching at a school in Haiti, and again hearing her. I think uh, hearing her perfect uh, French yeah. as well. I mean, uh, Lapita Nyong'o is just a, she's just a bright light uh, on screen and watching her interactions with those kids. I mean, you totally believe like she, this is how good of a spy she is, is you 100% believe that she's a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then watching, you know, her kind of, you know, put the, put her spy boots back on and, head down and 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 again this was a section i liked a lot more this the second time i saw it um but yeah i mean i thought i thought she was awesome but i think that the whole thing was to lead up to that to that post-credit sequence and you know you get a window into this relationship that you know we only got the briefest glimpses of in black panther and how as a couple they made this decision to keep this child away um from the throne for the time being so yeah i thought i thought she was great i thought everything with uh nikia was handled really well okay uh mike your thoughts on this yeah i mean i think she's awesome i mean she's again like this it's a power it's a stacked cast across the board but i also like the way the way that they brought her back into the story felt super real and organic Mm-hmm. Like she had left. We know she wasn't in Infinity War. Like Nakia wasn't there. And she, you know, what we what we know as far as the scene when it's introduced is that it was too hard for her. She had to leave. She had to be far away from everything. But Queen Ramona needs her like best spy infiltrator yep. to go in. And then the ease with which she does it doesn't feel forced. Right, right, like, right. In other movies, you'd have been like, well, that was really convenient. But you actually, she's really good, uh, kind of to Shannon's point. You believe she's that good of a spy. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. she goes right on that trail and she gets in there and she does the job. Uh, and then I love the fact that she sort of acts as this sort of um, moral compass for Shuri. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she's there when Shuri kind of redevelops the herb, she's the one that gives her uh the the liquid form of of the herb itself and is mm-hmm. and, and is the one who is smart enough to be like who did you see like who, mm. who were you who were you looking at so she fulfills this really great role leading up to shuri going to her so you know shuri doesn't go to her because she's like hey i got something to tell you like shuri's going for for a character who doesn't believe in the spiritual side 
yeah. of her uh, of her heritage. And then to have Nakia be that person for her so that it makes sense that when all this is said and done and Shuri finally wants to burn the, the funeral outfit of T'Challa and have that moment, she goes to Nakia. Like, so like they did a really lovely job of all of that feeling really organic and making sense leading yeah. up to this big reveal, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I, would, I would call this reveal eloquent and poetic. Um, because we've talked about this so much. It happened, you know, as soon as Chadwick Boseman passed and Marvel and Kevin Feige came out and said they weren't going to recast him, a lot of people, a lot of you people that are listening right now, yeah, well, um, yeah. we've had this discussion. Some people are like, I think it's I think it's really uh, beautiful and a tribute to Chadwick Boseman that they're not recasting T'Challa and other people pointing out rightly that if Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr. had died, they would not have done the same thing with Iron Man or Captain America, mm-hmm. which is accurate. Um, but I think that the solution that they have landed on, which is we're not just going to recast T'Challa, but we have a T'Challa. Mm-hmm. Like all of those amazing Black Panther stories that are in the comics that looked like they weren't going to be able to touch because we didn't have a T'Challa anymore is no longer true. As someone in the chat just said, yeah. um, this young T'Challa, given where we're going with mutants, could very easily meet a uh, Aurora who's his age yeah, and we got all those stories. So the the way that they have sort of rebooted T'Challa without rebooting T'Challa in a very beautiful way, yeah. I thought was, like I said, poetic. I thought it was very eloquently done. I agree with you, Michael. I think that whole scene was poetic, right? Her taking the, the garb, the white garb that she did not want to burn with her mother earlier in the movie taking it out because she's finally ready to move on she's finally ready to let go she's learned the lesson and what have just like um t'challa learned the lesson when he didn't kill zemo uh, in civil war right you have to let that anger go um uh because it'll it won't serve a purpose that you think it'll serve by carrying out vengeance so both of them mirroring uh, each other in that in their paths and then when the sun comes in and the sun here uh, is named Toussaint, and this is a what people are speculating a reference to Toussaint Louverture, who is the most prominent general during the Haitian Revolution. He's credited with leading the most successful revolt of enslaved people in history, which led to Haiti declaring itself an independent nation in 1804. And I bring that up to say that there is a real possibility that now these countries are going to get their hands on vibranium and may possibly enslave or trap or push down the Wakandans in some way be in control of that country and maybe this is where Toussaint comes in reveals himself as the as T'Challa becomes the Black Panther and somehow frees his country from that kind of rule I don't mean the actual enslavement because that'd be terrible visuals in the MCU but certainly the feeling that they are no longer a powerful country and they've been essentially infiltrated taken over or somehow brought to their knees and he's the one that brings them back into full prominence that could be a way to make that name symbolic in some way uh, overall. So who knows? But I also think it's a way of them saying, well, look, Shuri's probably not going to be the Black Panther permanently going forward. Right. So just know that this is a pot. And it almost felt like Tisha Wright with the look she was given was like, you know what? I just became, but you son of a, all right, all right, what's fine. We'll deal with it. And that look she had had a lot of meaning to it for sure. So, um, <laughs> What did we feel connected, Shuri? Let's let's wrap up with this, unless there's more to talk about here that we haven't covered. But um, uh, what did you feel about Killmonger being who she saw uh, in the in the astral plane there, Mikey? What did you think about that? I think that might be 
top three best things of the movie for me. Oh, wow. Uh, All right. Didn't quite see it. It's one of those things that I didn't quite see coming. Like, I was in it. I was watching the movie. She goes to Spiritual Plane. I'm like, well... Obviously, we would all love it if she saw T'Challa. That's not in the cards. Yeah. So I wonder how they're going to play this. And when she comes around and it's Killmonger, like in the exact moment that you recognize that it's him, I was like, fuck, they're brilliant. This is great. Yeah. And Michael B. Jordan just killed it. And le- and, and they and they did Killmonger right. Mm-hmm. Um, in that everything he said, just like Killmonger in Black Panther 1. Do I agree with this? Do I agree with his... Uh, ultimately where he lands and everything no is he the villain yes is he is he wrong no he's not wrong so kind of being like look your dad would have let riri die uh your brother was too noble and let the guy who killed his dad live and you're like me you want vengeance that's why i'm here you said you wanted the world to burn let's do this shit like it was just such a great scene and if you are into the movies if you're into black panther if you're into the mcu him being who shuri sees in the spiritual plane does more to sell the vengeance and the anger that's in her heart yeah than anything Letitia wright could have done and Letitia wright was really selling the shit out of it like it just it was really really great uh i think it's probably one of the best scenes in the movie yeah, I love the moment. Shocked the shit out of me when it happened, and I, I was like so excited. And you're right, Mike delivered fantastic lines, and yeah, challenged you as a viewer to understand his logic, and you couldn't help but see the points he was making. You don't have to agree, but you certainly could see that he's got legitimacy in the things that he is saying. And when she comes out to be Black Panther, she's essentially wearing the same colors that Killmonger had—a version of the same colors. She's got gold, yeah, gold she's and got black, gold yes, trimming, yeah. It's a very interesting. So, Shannon, what did you think about this scene and, and what happened here? Did it work for you? Oh, 100%. I mean, in terms of, like, I don't actively seek out spoilers for movies. And yeah, the yeah. fact that they were able to keep that appearance, as far as I know, a secret yeah. was incredible. Especially if you go back and look at the trailer that you can see that scene where it's just Letitia Wright when the throne room is on fire. I was like, oh, that's great. Um, And watching, like, a lot of times when they take characters out of those scenes for the trailers, you can tell, like, something's missing. Um, Like the the lizard. (laughs) There's, yeah, there's a little little space missing here where clearly someone is going to be. When you see it, when you saw that scene in the trailer, like, I I did not get that sense um, watching that, that there was going to be someone with Shuri as the flooded throne room was in flames. Um, As to his performance, I mean, I love the fact that they're letting Killmonger be Killmonger um a lot of times I think in a situation like this uh you might want the temptation might be there to take the easy way out to make this character who is still around that we can use and that got such a big response from the fan base like let's let's get him in there he's going to be the one to deliver the message that's going to set her on the right path. But he's, he wouldn't take that. He wouldn't take the path T'Challa would take. So lining up her character's journey with who he was uh, just works so brilliantly. And and it's what gave us that great moment at the end when she was ready to kill uh, Namor Um, that, you know, she's still operating in in that Killmonger uh, way, but then T'Challa and Ramonda come in and, set her on a different path so yeah it was 
I agree with Vogel. Top three, top three moments of the movie. Yeah, agreed. That was fantastic. Um, let's hit two of these uh, stream labs that we have left, and then we'll um, start the process of wrapping up. And we have 450 of you watching us right now, joining us tonight. Thank you very much. Please make sure you hit a like on this video if you haven't done that yet. We always appreciate that. If you're watching it later, hit a like on this video as well and leave a comment. And remember to subscribe to the channel. Always we're trying to get to that 25,000 subscribers, Mark. So we know thousands of you watch our reviews. So we'd appreciate if you haven't subscribed to please subscribe down below so you can be alerted to all the times we drop Geek Buddies content. We've got Andor coming up this week. There's more to come from the Geek Buddies for sure. Um, Suck says, excited to see Riri learn some valuable lessons. For example, Tony Stark's PTSD or Peter Parker's struggles through the home films. Best part of Contessa in Wakanda Forever is we learn she has a backstory, an important relationship in her life. JLD is perfect for the duality. Um, any thoughts on this, uh, gentlemen? I'm excited for Peter Parker and Ruby Williams to talk movies because they clearly both watch a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what I'm excited about. But yeah, no, I look. I like I said, like like uh, on the on the on the on the Valve front, like yeah. whether or not the execution of her backstory was done as well as it could be. <clears throat> I'm glad that we're getting more of her. I know somebody was just talking in the chat about how, yeah. uh, you know, Freeman, uh, Ross is going to be in Secret Invasion. I hope Val's in Secret Invasion. It yeah, would make, yeah. that would be a great place oh, for yeah. her to be. It makes sense. It would make sense for Richard Schiff. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see, we knew what S.H.I.E.L.D. was in the MCU when it started. Right. But then when S.H.I.E.L.D. all fell apart and where we are, like, you know, like, Fury's up in a space station. Maria Hill's running around doing God knows what. And the government is picking up the slack. And the best they've got is damage control, which as we've seen so far is kind of shitty. Yeah, so uh, kind of seeing what the government is in Secret Invasion, in Captain America 4, in Thunderbolts, uh, I think is going to be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, someone said maybe Dr. Doom enslaves Wakanda. Great point. That could be the way Toussaint does that as well. Just hearkening back to something we have talked about a couple minutes ago. That's a good, that's an excellent point. Uh, JMurf22 says, just joining live now. So sorry if someone else brought this up. But was James Cameron secretly a producer on this film with the blue people, human submarine suits, and the Wakanda ship that looks a lot like the Titanic? I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, not a bad suggestion. I mean, they're they're all under the Disney umbrella now. That's true. That's certainly possible. (laughs) Yeah, we're only weeks away from that one coming out. So I want to see. Yeah, you're you're gonna have a bunch of tele. You're gonna have a bunch of blue telecom people running around Avengers Campus, but then a bunch of blue Navi running around Animal Kingdom, and it's gonna get very confusing very fast. (laughs) <laughs> I want to see that fight break out. Um, anything that I've missed that you gentlemen want to bring up? Anything we haven't talked about? Uh, the score? Do we want to talk about the score? Uh, uh, Ludwig Goransson's score here that won an Oscar last? Well, Shannon already clearly has a lot of opinions on it. Go ahead. I had opinions about one song in mm-hmm. one moment, <laughs> and I had no and I had no opinion. I have no issue with the song. I had an issue with where the song was placed. Um, the yeah. the little moments that we got, hearkening back to the original Black Panther theme, yeah. um, that you know we don't get a ton, and I think that was actually the right move mm-hmm. to really kind of hold those in reserve for those big moments. Like when Shuri comes down in the, in the suit in Jabari land, like yeah. I thought, I, I thought that was fantastic. Um, and like, I, I know we haven't talked a ton about the action. Yeah. I loved how Namor worked. Yeah. Um, I loved like uh, reading, reading those comics, uh, you know, you, the, the wings didn't flap. Because yeah. it's a it's a still image. Um, watching how he kind of 
almost flew like a hummingbird, uh, I thought was the coolest thing. And watching the way that he was able to just so easily take out some of that Wakandan tech just by having that raw vibranium spear yeah. and 400 years worth of experience. I thought, I thought it was just that the action was just fantastic. I didn't love the design of the midnight angels suits. Uh, I, I didn't like the yeah, head tails. I they, agree with that. Yeah. They, they just, they didn't have that, that, that just kind of awesome tactileness that like the Dormelage armor has. It just looked a little plasticky. Uh, that was the only part that I really yeah. kind of had an issue with on the action front. Look, the Midnight Angel suits are very comic book accurate, but they, yeah, I think most people kind of feel like they didn't quite, they could have been maybe a little bit less comic book accurate and we would have been better off. Like I, they didn't quite land. It also, you end up just having a bunch of Iron Man's. Like they're all Iron Man suits at the end of the day. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, like, like you've got, the Midnight Angel suits are Iron Man suits. You got Riri in her Iron Man suit. And so it just felt like a lot of the same sort of thing happening. Again, I don't think, I think Coogler, I think Coogler was like, well, I got to do this because we got this series coming up and we got this movie coming up and we got this other series coming up. So yeah, it is what it is. I think Ludwig Gordonson is great. I think Ludwig Gordonson is like one of the new MVPs of movie scores. Like if, if, if I hear that he's doing the score of a movie, I'm automatically excited the way I am. If it's like Hans Zimmer or Williams or anything else, like he... He's just so unique, and everything he does is always so different. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the first Black Panther score is one of my faves, and I've been listening to the new one a lot, and uh, there's some really great stuff on it. All of it. Yeah. Especially <laughs> that great track when they go Boy. to Telecon. Yeah. Um, this, you know, I'm not a score whore like you two guys. I just, you know, kind of go along sometimes. But when it stands out, it really stands out for me, and I, I really love the score here. There were some real low beats or deep beats when stuff was happening that was like literally felt like the the entire movie was shifting in like a continental shift uh with tectonic plates and stuff and the the music he used was epic like epic battle old school music and i was shocked at those notes in an mcu film and it just shook me i was like this is awesome i am now so on board with this so he i thought those music cues at those certain times were just elevating the score beyond just already being good it elevated it to something else that really stood out to me who's not uh, great at always catching that kind of stuff like you two are uh derek johnson says i'm agreeing with shannon again that fight scene with namor was absolutely gorgeous i love the way he moved in the air watching me watching him literally step and accelerate in the air was awesome yeah 100 percent. it was beautiful the, visuals. yeah as much as like the midnight angel suits were comic books accurate and didn't land giving him those little wings on his feet which is so stupid uh right. and they made it so not stupid like it worked so well like they nailed it it worked so well that you reacted when she cut one of them off like i screamed when oh, she yeah. cut one of them off <laughs> i was shocked uh i like this uh, uh prodigal zun says namor punched in baku's entire storyline right out of the movie <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. I mean, he blocked it. He blocked it. Yeah. (laughs) That's great stuff. Um, All right. Uh, Oh, Philly G. Donate said, although I love the last scene, apparently T'Challa had some trust issues with Shuri. Loved Namor, but how did his soldiers know where and when to find Riri on the bridge? Loved Queen Ramonda eyeing the other countries before her speech. Um, Didn't Namor know? Well, I mean, yeah, he would sense it, right? He would probably be following them 
on land. And then when the moment came, they were able to come up on those whales, which was awesome, and take care of business. And remember, Ramonda know Ramonda knows about his son. She tried to tell Shuri in a moment there in the movie, I have to tell you something about your brother, which of course mirrored, I have to tell you something about your dad. So there there was, you know, there was there's there was stuff there that she could have told her, but of course she died before was killed before she was able to tell her about the the other T'Challa. So yeah. Um, all right. Any final words, any final things to say before we wrap up gentlemen? What do you think? Cause I, 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 I see people are like talking about it in the chat and yeah. I actually am curious, like, what do you think the game is with young T'Challa? Like is, are we going to like, is young T'Challa going to be something we track through phase uh, phases five and six? Is he going to be a storyline that we pick up in a third Black Panther movie? Are we going to keep him in reserve and get to our next uh, saga after multiverse where he's a little bit older and we're going to have a teenage T'Challa story? Like, what do you like? Or or are they going to do some weird Kang comic book shit and age him up? Like, where where do you guys think he's going to end up or where would you guys like to see them go with young T'Challa? I, I think the aging up is probably the Kang aging up is probably what they will do because I think oh, yeah. there's just such a hunger to see a T'Challa back in the MCU. Um, I, I personally don't see another Black Panther movie coming out until after phase six, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think. Just oh, yeah. Coogler's looking... going away for a while, he said. He's got to go rest, he said. Yeah. yeah. Looking at looking at everything that they have to establish leading up to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, I don't know where the room for it would be i mean and depending on when like that amount of time i mean what uh tucson is he's probably what he said they said he was seven yes right so i mean that's probably not enough time you know if they want to get a teenage t'challa you know you're i mean they would probably you know they would recast at that point but i think just looking at the timeline i don't i don't know how i don't know how you do it quicker um yeah that's that's my thought yeah, I don't know if we're going to see him in phase five and six. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's illusions. Maybe there's some training. Because I imagine Shuri is going to train him along with uh, 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 Nakia. So uh, I don't know how, where we... My, and my initial instinct was Young Avengers, and they'll find a way to kind of add his storyline to what they're trying to create there. Um, uh, but I don't know. Maybe the Kang thing, you're right. Maybe they age him up. Maybe they're kind of game, but... I don't know right now. It depends on how the the reaction has been overall positive, but he's seven. So are people going to be upset that you age him up already to essentially move Shuri out of the way and make him Black Panther? I don't know. That seems like a yeah. I, I mean, like my my happen. my I I I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, my overall vibe is. I mean, I might, like I said, I said it like twice in this review. Like I think Marvel's Marvel is at their best, and any of these big franchises are doing this uh, when they are patient. Yeah, I think patience yeah, is yeah. the win. I think I think that we all have a hunger for a grown-up T'Challa because we want to see those stories the same way we have a hunger for the Fantastic Four and the same way we have a hunger for the X-Men. And yeah. I think Marvel's been wise to hold them in reserve. So I think maybe having this longer uh, arc where we get to see a kid being raised to be the next great king. It's like, you know, like, let's take T'Challa and turn him into the once and future king. Give us a modern day King Arthur story yeah. with a black king and let us Ooh, really yeah. watch him grow yeah. into this person. Uh, it's It could be really great. It's a it's a longer road yeah. and it takes a longer time for us to get to a grown up T'Challa who gets to be the new Black Panther. But holy shit, can you imagine like going on that ride? 
You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and I don't, by the way, as I'm saying that, I don't think that Marvel or Disney necessarily have the patience for that. I don't think that <laughs> they're going to do that necessarily. But holy shit, yeah. if you did that and you stuck that landing, how great would it be? Yeah. And look, Rocky 67 makes a great point. It's been 14 years since that Iron Man movie. So why not set up a movie 14 years from now? That's certainly possible and have us grow with him and learn and connect with him. Cause it isn't like they don't have enough characters to fill the spots that they need to fill the spots. They've got so many and they're launching fantastic four and the X-Men. So they're going to be busy. How much do they want to spend in really uh, putting a lot of time into developing the next black Panther at this point, I imagine they want this film to do great and then let it rest for a while and then revisit it years down the road for sure. Um, all right, there we go. Last, uh, that's the last of it. Thank you all so much for joining us here on this spoiler review. Uh, we appreciate all your questions, your thoughts, your comments. Thanks for all the stream labs and the super chats. Please hit a like on this video as we're wrapping up. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram, Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Um, look, if you like talking geek shit, this is clearly the place for you. And if you like that song, when they go to Telecon and Wakanda forever, then God bless you. You are a wise, wise fan. It's just me um, and you, Derek. It's just me and you. <laughs> um, so look here, as, as we said, here's some things that you guys can do for us. Definitely all of you listening right now, just go hit that like button right now. I know it doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but it helps us a lot. Leave your comments below. You guys have been awesome in the chat, but let us know what you thought. If you're listening to this later on, what did you think of the movie? What did they get right? What did they get wrong? What are you excited to see next? Um, if you are, oh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Please. Check out all the amazing content that is there. There is a ton of stuff. He is a busy, busy man. Um, if you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars, leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it to your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Yeah, and big shout out to Carbon Health, uh, who continues to power and sponsor us into 2023. Much love to them. They've been so great coming on as a sponsor in 2022. Please head over to CarbonHealth.com. Get yourself checked out today. they got virtual care, in-person care, 100-plus locations all over the country, 80-plus locations in California alone. They also have an app that you can download, put a doc in your pocket. Derek Johnson says, uh, Vogel, let it go, Mike. Just let it go. Ha, ha, ha. There you go. Um, all right, uh, let's get on out of here. Any final? We're good, right? Uh, you got something going on? Okay, I thought you were holding your phone for. Oh my god, you're gonna get us with a strike. All right, we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review here from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.